2: Let's go. Right. Got a nap in and now he's ready to go. All, All right. right. That's that's how we're going to start the show with Jake. Jake just woke up from a nap. But hey. we are back on a Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. Jake was getting a nice nap in on a rainy day in Wisconsin. Uh, we're going to have Tim that. Dillard with us in about 15 minutes. Yep. So we are going to start. We're going to use that 15 minutes to talk about the Packers for a little bit. So there's a few things... Three, basically three main things that I want to hit. The first one is Jaron Reed. That's an easy one to talk about. Get out of the way. Um, basically, he's defensive line depth. He's a really, really big guy. He's um, on par, like size-wise, with Snacks Harrison. He's about that size, maybe a little bit thinner, but um, he's over three hundred pounds. He's three eighty-one, from what I saw. See, now. I talked to somebody about this on Facebook actually. Somebody said that yeah. he saw 303. Somebody said 306. Football reference has him at 313. So let me look it up right here. I'm So sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with 313. Pro football reference is usually pretty trusty. So I'm gonna stick with 313. Anyways, um, he he doesn't really miss games ever, he, so he's pretty durable. And he's shown some pass rush prowess in the past. He had one season of six and a half sacks, and he had one season of ten and a half sacks. Um, so he's had some success. Rushing the pass. You put him and Kenny on the same line. Either he can free some space up for Kenny to go do his thing, or Kenny can free some space up for Jaron Reed to go do his thing. Um, Basically, it's basically just defensive line depth. It doesn't stop the Packers from Mm -hmm. drafting a defensive lineman, but it does make it so that they don't have to spend a first-round pick on one if they don't want to.
3: True. True. Well, okay. well, me and you have been doing mocks. Our guy that we're really into has been falling to that 50 range. So
2: Yeah, I do. if we can get him with one of the second-round picks, I'd be happy with that. Oh,
3: oh, oh, I'm about to go crazy if we get him and two wide receivers, dude. Seriously, right? go right? crazy.
2: All right, so speaking of wide receiver, why don't we transition into Devontae Adams? Now, <clears throat> the trade itself for Devontae Adams, basically we got a first and a second-round pick for a guy who could have just chose to not play football this year. And mm-hmm. then go to the Raiders and we get nothing. The Raiders could have paid him extra and we could have gotten two firsts, but they they really had no incentive to do that. They could have just waited the year for him. But by doing the deal they did, they got a first and a second round pick from the Oakland or not the Oakland. I said Oakland Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders. I almost
3: wrote down Oakland on my sheet.
2: <laughs> now, with that, they saved themselves some money, so they re-signed Robert Tunyon and Rasul Douglas, which is mm-hmm. which is very good news. Now, what I wanted to address here is why we should not compare the Devontae Adams trade directly to the Tyreek Hill trade. Because I knew it was going to happen as soon as I saw it that, you know, the the Chiefs got a first, a second, two fourths, and a sixth, I believe, for Tyreek Hill. And I knew it. I knew it was going to happen that people were going to go, we only got a first and a second for Devontae. What is Gutekunst doing? Fire him. So... Let me get your thoughts on comparing the trades. And then I'll say what I'm thinking, if it's anything else to add to what you got. What's up, Dan, Dan. by the way?
3: What's up, Dan? Um, So, first of all, you have to take everything into consideration. It's been a really crazy, crazy offseason. A lot of stars moving. Uh, Russell Wilson. Matt Ryan just got moved recently. Obviously, we know Devonte. Tyreek Hill got moved today. Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. Watson. Yep. Uh, we got Cleo Mack getting traded. He's still a star on defense. I mean, and the thing that you got to take into consideration, in my mind, is the team that they're going to. So the Raiders were in the playoffs last year and they need wide receiver help. So they, I, from everything I read, they didn't want to give up the first and the second, and Gudikus really pushed for it. He's like, listen, you're going to give me a first and a second, or you're not getting this wide receiver. So that's how this is working. <laughs> waiting for jokes in my face. Oh, God. We're not going to go there. Um, but the thing about the Russell Wilson, that was the first thing it was compared to, is Russell Wilson's mm-hmm. a quarterback, right? Yep. So that's a premier position. Obviously, wide receiver is too. And It's so a much longer Terry shelf Kill. life on a
2: quarterback too.
3: Exactly. Devontae Adams is about to be 30 years old. By the end of his contract, he's going to be, what, 35? And Tyreek uh-huh.
2: Hill is 28 years old. That so was like, my biggest sticking point. So, so Tyreek Ty- Hill literally just turned 28, like March 1st yeah. was his birthday. And Devontae so, will be 30 on Christmas Eve.
3: So this is Devontae's last big contract where yep. Tyreek Hill could set himself up to get mm-hmm. another contract after this, mm-hmm. so Hill will be
2: thirty-two when his contract is up. He can
3: still get another contract if he has some yep. speed. If he still yep. has some speed, he'll he'll get another contract. Depending for, on Emmanuel
2: Sanders is like ninety and he's still playing. So exactly,
3: um, <laughs> actually he's thirty-three, so that's right around the same age. That's a great. Comparison. I thought Sanders
2: was thirty-five, but, all right.
3: I thought he was thirty-three. Um, might not be good on my numbers today, but um, <laughs> yeah, I was looking. I'm looking at so many baseball numbers. I got a billion numbers. in my head. <laughs> Yeah, baseball well, has so baseball many money. numbers, man. So many numbers, Lots, yeah. so many statistics. It's crazy. Um <laughs> but you know, when you when you really think about it, I think the Packers got a lot. I want to address your dad's comment real quick. Yeah. I love that Smith went to the Vikings. That is so funny to me. And then <laughs> did you see Rashawn Gary's comment underneath? Uh I did not. Oh man. So Zadarius tweeted out meet at the quarterback. And then Rashawn Gary shared a picture where he's kind of sacking Zadarius Smith and Kirk Cousins cuz he's laying on top of them. <laughs> and he said, "I agree." He said, "Put cheese on everything." That he he puts that on oh, everything awesome. on his post. That's and awesome. it was like, "I love it. That was awesome." Um, that's funny to me cuz Vikings fans, they were talking all this shit about him how he wasn't that good and now he's on their team so now he's great. He's an all-pro again.
2: Actually, all no, the cut him. That's so what it's like. Oh, you cut one of your best players and then, you know, he sucks when he's and, on the team. Then you and cut he played one of your like best 50 players. snaps. Yeah.
3: <laughs> So that one is awesome. The Devonte yep. stuff. Everybody just needs to chill out. Yeah. Miami is a desperate team. They always have to sign people. They don't have a quarterback. They and I mean they just signed one of the best left tackles, Teron Armstead. Yep. So that was a good move for them. Yep. They're trying to help too as much as they can. Now they got Waddle and Hill, so they're they're surrounding him with a lot of talent. The thing about Devontae is he, I mean Hunter Renfro is a good player. Waller is a good player, but that team still has no offensive line. Still has no defensive backfield. And Obviously they, can't, he'll, they can't keep
2: their offensive backfield healthy either.
3: Yeah, because they're just getting whacked right yep. away. Same thing with Derek Carr; He's running for his life a lot of the time. So when you take into consideration that Devontae didn't want to be here, he's posting all this stuff how um, it was a dream come true to play for the Raiders. It's like, all right, I'll take a first and a second, and we'll just do this thing by committee instead of having the best wide receiver in the league.
2: Yep. And that's that's the thing that I'm most excited about for the Devontae trade is is the opportunity that the Packers have now, and people you need to just chill out. It's not going to happen instantly. We're not going to we're not going to sign OBJ, Julio, and Landry the day after Devontae gets traded.
3: Yeah, this is going to be a process.
2: <laughs> this yeah, yeah. it's going to be a process. So the rumors are that they're interested in Landry, and that's it um yep. i've seen i've seen fake quotes popping up of rogers saying oh julio would be a great talent or whatever i'd love to play with him stuff like that like people have got to stop sharing fake quotes we got to stop doing that no oh, um, god that's yeah that's got to stop i've seen some of it with the zadarius to to minnesota too like that's that stuff's got to stop um <laughs> bro we're in
3: cancel culture and we're making up fake quotes You're right make make that, sense yeah. make it make sense dude
2: <laughs> yeah, like the the quote that Zadarius said that like, you know, I saw that the NFC North was for the taking or something like that. And it's like, he never said that. So people sharing quotes with that. And then you're confusing people that don't know where to go look to find out if that was actually said or not. Mm-hmm. So stop doing that. That's it just, it doesn't benefit anybody. It really doesn't. Um. Anyways, uh, opportunity at wide receiver. So the draft is a month from tomorrow. So Jake and I are going to really start ramping up draft prep soon. I know it's oh, it's fun. Um, the Packers, they don't have to sign anybody. The Packers can roll into the draft, see what they come out of the draft with, and then look to sign somebody. Um, it, yeah. So, you know, they might grab one guy before the draft. I'd like to see the Packers grab Landry before the draft and then pick what they can. Uh, whether it's Olavi or Drake London or Traylon Burks or John Mechie, like there's tons of wide receivers in this draft. But mm-hmm. you know, let let's grab one veteran guy, you know, kind of pair with Cobb and you have some veteran leadership in your wide receiver room and grab some name. young guys that can step in on day one. That way, instead of rolling with one great receiver and a few okay ones, we're gonna roll with three or four solid wide receivers.
3: And Aaron and Rodgers. I mean and, and did, spread do the ball. Do people forget we still have Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> Rodgers was playing quarterback before Devontae Adams be- became Devontae Adams. Yep. We're not taking Odell Beckham Jr. He does not want to come here, clearly. <clears throat> last year was the opportunity for Odell to come to Green Bay. It really was. We looked like the best team. We were the number one seed. Like Last year was the time to come yeah. to Green Bay. If he <clears throat> didn't come here last year, he ain't coming at all. He's going to stick out in L.A. He's going to rehab in that nice, sunny state in California. He's going to come back to the Rams around playoff time, and then he's going to be ready to go for the Rams. That's what's going to happen with Odell. Sorry. I mean, all the Packers fans, and and I'm an Odell fan, but all the Packers fans that want Odell, it's not happening. All the Packers fans that want Julio, stop. All the Packers fans that want DK, stop. Please. I would love DK too, but it's just not going to happen. I don't want to give up a pick for him. I, I don't. I, it's it's I, a
2: rental too, because the Packers just showed their, you know, like they were willing to pay Devontae, Yeah. But then you're they were going to the, end up in the same position with DK. And
3: and they they were kind of hesitant on it, and he's the clear cut number one guy mm-hmm. who's been with Rodgers for years and years, and they built that camaraderie. DK's yep. coming in fresh, man.
2: And he gets shut down by Jalen Ramsey when he plays.
3: Yeah. Devontae does not. So, yeah, no. <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't even think of that part. I didn't even think of that.
2: That's true. So, <sighs> the last thing that I want to talk about with the Packers is Aaron Rodgers. Now, I understand that when media is concerned with Aaron Rodgers, he is a very divisive person. Yeah. Because some people don't like the way that he carries himself as a person, which is fine. You don't have to like Aaron Rodgers, the person. And you can still like Aaron Rodgers, the football player. You can do that. Yeah. But what people need to stop doing is stop blaming Aaron Rodgers for every single personnel move that happens. Like blaming Aaron Rodgers for Devontae Adams being traded, or blaming Aaron Something. Rodgers for <clears throat> Zadarius Smith being cut, or totally. blaming Aaron Rodgers for not bringing in this free agent or that free agent or burning bridges here or there. Aaron Rodgers knew Devontae Adams wasn't coming back to the team yep. when they put the franchise tag on him. Aaron Rodgers knew that. He still chose Green Bay. We need to give Aaron Rodgers credit for that. That's he, he literally showed that his, his favorite player, maybe Bakhtiari, I would argue, but is is basically his favorite player on the team wasn't going to be here, and he chose to stay. He called Devontae probably the
3: best player he <clears throat> played with in his career. And that's saying something, man, because we've had a lot of really, really good players come
2: through Green Bay in Rogers' tenure. Yeah. <clears throat> so we we really need to give Aaron Rodgers credit for the loyalty that he showed by still choosing to stick around, knowing that Devontae wasn't going to be here. And... We also need to stop blaming Aaron Rodgers for whatever salary cap stuff is going on and stop saying that Aaron Rodgers is taking up 25% of the cap space because that's not true. Um, Aaron Rodgers makes an average of $50 million a year, but that's not what his cap hit is. And now we were talking in the group chat, actually, that Jake and I are in. People are doing the same thing to Patrick Mahomes with the Tyree Kill thing. They're like, "Oh, you know, Mahomes makes up a quarter of the cap space, so they don't have anything to give to Tyree Kill." That's not true. Aaron Rodgers is on the cap for twenty-eight million dollars this year, not fifty. He's making fifty, but he's not on the cap for fifty. Mm-hmm. So every move that happens isn't because Aaron Rodgers is making fifty million dollars. That's not the case. So cutting Zayre Smith was a business move, saving fifteen million. Yeah, that – I mean, I we've had, been preparing for that since, like, week four. Yeah,
3: we, we knew when Rashawn Gary was getting two sacks and four pressures and, you know, n- tackling running backs behind the line of scrimmage in week seven, we were like, yeah, Zedarius is probably gone. <laughs> yeah. We knew that last year.
2: <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so – and then, you know, like I said, all the you – know, we can't sign anybody because of Aaron Rodgers' contract and, you know, guys don't want to be here because of Aaron Rodgers. Like, that stuff's just simply not true. It's just simply not the case.
3: Agreed. I mean, I was watching Aaron Rodgers' highlight videos today uh, over his career. And I'm seeing him throw darts to Jared Aberdaris and Mm -hmm. Jeff Janis and James Jones. And I'm like, those guys, none of those guys are special, man. And Rodgers is making them look pretty freaking good. You know, so... We bring we bring in some some first round talent and Rogers I believe still at this point still hasn't thrown a touchdown to a wide receiver drafted in the first round.
2: Not a wide receiver. Mercedes Lewis was the first first round pass catcher that he had.
3: So say the Packers go crazy, we get two right. Let's just play hypothetical real quick. I,
2: uh, if we get Olavi and Burks in the first round.
3: Oh yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. If if they if they get two first round guys, <laughs> and. You know, the crazy thing is football players are just evolving, right? Like they're getting bigger, they're getting faster, they're getting stronger. Like these guys are now growing up to be 6'5", 230 pounds. They're still running four fours. And you're like, Jesus, I thought that was only one guy that did that, Calvin Johnson. Now all of you do that? That's crazy. So you give Rodgers a couple guys. That's why I'm saying by committee. Give us a a committee of guys. You know, okay, we can't just key on this guy. We can't just triple cover Devontae and let's see if – If Lazard can win a one-on-one. Now we have two, three guys out there at a time that can beat coverage. Now Rodgers, the ultra mastermind who can read the defense in a split second, has three guys out there and the running backs and a great offensive line. And Tunyon. It's about to be crazy, man. That's all I'm saying. And it's a good
2: draft for tight ends, too. Yeah. All right. Do you want to say anything else
3: about the Packers? Um. No, I'm really excited for draft season. Um, Me too. This is going to be freaking awesome, man. I'm excited. I'm excited. The draft just got so much more exciting after the Levante trade, man. It really really did. did. I agree. It just went up from, you know, I was already at like an eight, man, because I love the draft stuff. Now I'm easily at a 10. I'm like, bro, let's do this. Let's see what happens. I mean we still we still got to fill like an edge rusher, we still got to fill yep. some other little holes, you know. So, we'll see what uh, happens. Man. Tackle,
2: I would say is one. Maybe yep. uh maybe an inside linebacker. Yeah, man, Uh-oh. I keep
3: I keep hearing things about freaking Balaga. My like, good lord. Bringing that guy back. You might as well just sign two right tackles at that point because Balaga's definitely getting injured during the season.
2: <laughs> bring, it, <laughs> bring back JC Tredder and move him over to tackle. Oh, Jesus, no. <laughs> just bring back all the former Packers. That are free agents. Is Casey Hayward yeah. signed anywhere yet?
3: I don't think so, actually.
2: <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know how old he is either, but.
3: I think he's got to be like 32, 33. Let me see. Casey Hayward I'm not sure. Age. Pops right up. He is 32. He'll turn 33 on September 9th.
2: Emmanuel Sanders is 35, by the way, so I was right on that.
3: Oh, wow. I did not think he was that super old. I was like, I was trying to give him some credit. Like, geez. Wow. He's old as a wide receiver. He's still getting paid, man. Wow. All
2: right. Here we go. Look look at his name. Look at his name down there. That's his Twitter. You know that? Yeah, I thought that's his Twitter. He's like. That's his his Twitter handle. He's Wyler Tilkins. (laughs) Oh, look at this guy. He even wore a duck shirt. Oh, my goodness. What's going on, man?
0: Quacktastic. Yeah. Sorry, sorry I'm late. Quacktastic. Had to. had to download Google Chrome. Y'all didn't tell me I had to download
2: a, another web thing. You didn't thing have I'm to. I don't, I don't think I'm fancy though. All right. Well, you get to learn new things every day, and you get to learn how to download Google Chrome. At least you didn't have to have your kids show you how to do it or anything like that. So you're not, you know, you're not too old. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is this in
0: HD? Let me know.
2: Oh, you are you are we can put you front we can put you front and center too. We can make it really I think your picture's better better than mine, man. man. Uh, I'm like a four
0: eighty clarity guy. That'll work.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna gonna make you big. So we're excited (laughs) to have you back because we get to we're gonna ask you some questions and then we're gonna do our brewer's primer. So we're actually Mm -hmm. it actually the timing worked out awesome for when you were able to join us. So it just kinda worked out really well. So um we had a handful of questions. My first question I wanted to ask you is, how was your first year at Bally Sports Wisconsin?
0: Ooh, it was very nice. Um, I I was surprised on how much I would enjoy it, right? I, I've done a little bit of that stuff, but to do this many games over this amount of time, I just didn't know what it was going to, how it was going to play out, but it was a learning curve. You know, it was a process. My first few months were, were I mean, first six months were tough, but <laughs> no, it it was good. It was good. I enjoyed myself probably too much and uh I'm looking forward to doing it again.
2: Oh, got somebody asking for the best Harry Carey impression. That's definitely Tim Dillard.
0: Right out of the gate. Hi everybody. You might see this <laughs> coffee mug. You might think it's coffee, Wink. <laughs> <laughs>
2: actually it is coffee.
0: I spilled it all over my office just moments ago. But oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> all right.
2: So I saw I saw your post on Twitter, but I want to let people know what did you do during the lockout?
0: Uh yeah, the good point. I forgot what I posted. Um <laughs>
2: <laughs> It was a pretty Too long off. list, so you must have stuck pretty busy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean I made it. It's been a couple weeks. Since I threw that one out there, I can look at my photos. Um, I don't know. I did lots of stuff, I, mainly a bunch of kids stuff. Like I, my, my daughter had a gymnastics thing and going to baseball practices and teaching cheerleading somehow, uh, all sorts of stuff. Let me see. This is it right here. I unjoined a gym. So today <laughs> I went back to the gym. Actually, Monday I went back to the gym. And uh, some guys that I know there, they're like, hey, man. He's like, I heard you unjoined a gym. I was like, I'm getting back. So I got <laughs> to cross that one off the list. Uh, read half a book you know it wasn't really a real book it was more like a magazine you, you guys ever read those highlights remember highlights yeah. as a kid they're in the doctor's yeah. office yeah, yeah. so read half, half one of those <laughs> yeah i did go curling and um and i am terrible at it i mean you see curling on tv you see the guy with the yeah. cool mustache in the olympics and it's like right. it looks really easy it is super hard super hard uh, a lot of props to uh were you to the guys. were you the
2: pusher or were you the scrubber
0: well, you got to do both. And uh, oh, nice. if I was pushing it, it I, I would push it too hard. And if I was scrubbing, I was didn't know what I was doing. So I, <laughs> I, served, right zero, I served zero purpose. But it was sponsored by <laughs> Miller High Life. So there you go.
2: <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, wow. Um, I wanted to ask you about a potential rule change. I shouldn't say a potential rule change. A rule change that's coming. What do you think about Major League Baseball banning the shift?
0: Banning the shift? Um. That, well, I... I don't know. There's a lot of stuff on the I'm a pitcher, so I don't... it the shift actually hurt me because the way they used to figure out the shift is it didn't matter if you're a, a left-handed pitcher that threw over the top or, or if you were like me and threw right-handed and threw sidearm, right? They would shift the guys in the same spot. So it actually was a detriment to me in a lot of ways. And I fought against the shift the whole time. I was like, stop shifting on me. <laughs> and... um so I can see the frustration actually for both sides. I know Joey Gallo, um, I was in spring training with him a few years ago. And anyway, he, he's a big like, why are there four or five guys standing in right field? And then you hear people like Fred Lynn uh, talking about, you know, they shifted on Ted Williams, you know, so and he found a way to still hit 406. So to me, it comes down to, you know, the shift. We're at a game, we're at a point in baseball where the single is great, but everybody wants a double in a home run. Like everybody, the the management wants a double and a home run. Everyone the dugout wants a double. home like single. They would rather you almost strike out. They want to go for the double or the home run. So to maximize that, if they are going to ban the shift, which I don't think they're doing it this year, it isn't going to next year. year? Yeah, so really, all that's going to do is there's going to be more extra base hits. I I, hard to foresee anybody average like really skyrocketing. I think they're. I, I think it may go up a little bit, but not in the amounts that they're thinking. But um you'll probably see offense go up a little bit.
2: I think what it really boils down to is it takes away the, the ground ball that would normally go between the first and second baseman. That being a hit that gets, you know, fielded by the guy that's standing out in right field for no reason. That being an out, and then, you know, when left-handy, you know, left-handed batters hit line drives that would have fallen in front of the right fielder that get caught because there's a guy just standing out there in no man's land. So I think in my opinion, those are the two things that baseball is looking to get rid of.
0: Well, I mean, look at Big Poppy or, or Prince Fielder. I mean, those guys were like, oh, you're going to shift me? Well, I'm just going to dink it over here. Yelich did it a few times. And everyone kind of laughs at it. But honestly, if, if I'm a manager and I'm shifting big time on somebody uh, and they decide to get two hits the opposite direction, I'm going to rethink, I'm gonna rethink the, uh, the whole shifting thing, even if they're singles. As a pitcher, I'm going, hey, this is great and all, but I need someone to pick up that 20 hopper. You know, that made it to the outfield grass. Like, I need that (laughs) sucker back. That's a ground ball to third, and now the guy's standing on second. Like, what are we doing Mm -hmm. here? So Mm -hmm. to create confusion, if batters, I think, if they could do their best to get the hits opposite field, especially when they're given to you, uh, I think you would have saw the shift dissolve quicker than having MLB step in and yet change another rule. (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah they love changing rules don't they that's a good point though you know even just right-handed pitching versus left-handed pitching like the angles that you pitch at too that's something that I don't think actually really gets talked about very much when it comes to the shift
0: well there's actually uh, two teams that I've seen I don't know if I've seen any others do this or not and even do this at the AAA level at least I know the Dodgers do but Dodgers and Giants and I think Gabe Kapler who's now the manager of the Giants I think he started this when he was uh, farm director or whatever he was for the Dodgers before that but when they bring in, when they're on defense and they bring in one of their pitchers, they have somebody from their dugout run out to the outfield and give out little laminated cards, which mm. means it's very specific to that pitcher. It's not, mm-hmm. oh, we're just going to shift on this batter regardless of who's pitching. No, they're, go- they're shifting in accordance with the, that particular pitcher on the mound, which I mm. think is the way it should go. And as far as I know, yeah. I've only seen two teams do it, Giants and Dodgers. But to me, I mean, that's you are going to shift, at least shift on what the pitcher is most likely to give up rather than just what the hitter is going to do.
3: That's brilliant.
0: Not that's a really sure good point. Going, that's not good. sure I was going with that. But... That's, brilliant. That's, a, that's a really good yeah.
2: point, actually. I, I could see Craig Console doing something like that, so it would kind of surprised me if he doesn't, but
0: uh, yeah, I've that is a really there. good point. They have the elimination machine, so, I mean, they may get on that. They may do that. I think they have different cards in the dugout, but I don't think I've ever seen anybody except for those two teams run a guy out there uh, and I was forced to watch baseball this year at the big league level. That was part of my job. I had to watch it. So <laughs> the, only, the only two teams I saw do it, Giants and Dodgers.
3: All right. I would say that you know what you're talking about then. <laughs> if, you, if you were watching the games. I sound
0: good. I sound good, but who knows?
2: <laughs> all right, Jake, you had a question you wanted to ask that I thought was a good one. So I'll let you ask that one so I don't have to ask all the questions.
3: So I was wondering if there's anybody on the team that is going to be a breakout player. If you have multiple, you can give multiple. But I was just wondering, who is your candidate for breakout player this year on the Brewers?
0: Yeah, wow. Um, I don't know. I think realistically, and this is, this is one of those things that uh, as a player, when you hear it, it sounds different. I know I'm not a player anymore, but mentally I still feel like I'm a player. <laughs> um, body says no. Um, <laughs> but one of, the, one of the things is uh, anybody has the chance to do that. Anybody, True. you can't, you can't to, to try to go out and predict it. Of course, I'm just doing that because obviously I'll, who knows what my prediction will be. I would like to, I think Luis Arias laid groundwork to be, to be an impact player last year. I think the Brewers would not have made playoffs if they didn't have Luis Arias. And the reason is because he did well, then they put him every day shortstop and he didn't do as well. And then they brought in Willie Adamas and Willie Adamas, that move and putting Urias to third made him so much better. I think he's an excellent defender. I just think most of his errors came from shortstop, uh, and I know the guy can hit. So for me, I want to say Luis Arias. He's a really fun player to watch. He has a great intensity. Um, you know Wong is going to be Wong. He's going to have a great Adamas is, you know, he just – guy can play. You can just see – he already has an opposite, opposite field uh, home run in spring training. Yep. So you, when a yep. guy is crushing a ball with power to opposite field, that's a great sign in spring training. Um, I would like to see Tyrone Taylor finally get a shot to be able to play a lot. That's what I want to see. Uh, I think picking up Andrew McCutcheon is the right move. I think he's going to make the team so much better, but in case there's an injury in there across the board to one of those three to four outfielders, i want to see Tyrone mm-hmm. Taylor uh, get some significant playing time this year, but I think Rowdy Teles. I'm going to go Luis Arias and Rowdy Tellez. I think if they get to be playing every single day, I think we're really going to see the talent that these guys have. And then, different ways too rowdy's you know six foot whatever <laughs> and reas is five foot whatever so you got different <laughs> ends of the the infield doing amazing things that's what i'm looking for those two guys
2: Louis okay. Arias, serious i think would have been my pick as well
0: oh. cheat sheet yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> you should see the rest of my notes that i have for the rest of the discussion that we planned on doing Let's um <laughs> one of the guys ask did brent Suter give you any cheerleading advice cheerleading advice
0: Oh, for the cheerleader? Yeah. Uh, no. I mean, he'd probably be a good candidate, right? He was, uh, he was, back in college, he was the one that was part of that viral video uh, or whatever. He was on like the Today Show and all that. I'm sure he helped choreograph. He's been in a lot of my videos. He helps choreograph that. But no, this was like a, this, like, we, we, don't, we've never, we don't have a family of cheerleaders. My daughter's starting to do that. So they send a video of this, you know, of how to do the cheer. <laughs> it's like, you know, I mean, it's impossible. And you start going, okay. Okay. So there's an arm here. No, wait, that's their right arm. It's going to be your left arm. No, wait, like, like what are you doing? Like you see cheerleaders and they're down, you know, bouncing around and doing stuff. And you're like, anybody could do that. They can't. It's really tough. But anyway, needless to say, I know a middle school routine that I could do for y'all right now. (laughs)
2: Uh, Is your camera zoom out or we could watch? That would be awesome.
0: Now nah, you can watch me hurt, hurt my back. Snowmark <laughs> coffee.
3: That's what he would slip on—is the spilt coffee. I, I know,
0: sloshing around. There's towels everywhere. Oh well, at least the computer works. <laughs> the computer works. That's good.
2: All right, hey, then we're good to go. <laughs> um, so, what? One thing that Jake and I wanted to do before we kind of went through the roster was um we wanted to d- we do our bold predictions with you so jake oh. and i do this with every every team that we prime we make we make bold predictions yep. and some of them they're pretty bold we get pretty spicy with these bold predictions so jake and i yeah jake and i want to <laughs> that reminds me did you find a new favorite thing at taco bell yet
0: um yeah they got they got a it's not fritos it's like uh those spicy tost- um...
1: The tortilla, know, the strips. Strips? tortilla
0: strips yeah it's in yeah. something i forgot the name but one but i was so disappointed when i went and there i was like can i get the, like four beefy frito burritos and they're like yeah we don't do that and i was just like i'm gonna turn this i'm gonna rip this thing out i was like all right well give me a, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a chicken chipotle melt and they're just like yeah no we just stopped doing that and i'm like good lord what <sighs> do you have you know give me something but, I could give yeah. me some
2: good news. The chicken chipotle melt is back actually. So you got that. Is it really? Well, it's, it's not back. at
0: every location, is what I found. Oh. I looked online. It sounds like they're it's just kind of popping up at different places. So <laughs> with gas bri- you... gas prices the way they are. I mean
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say if you are ever oh. super, super bored, they have them in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, and I can show them to you.
0: <laughs> Why would I be bored? I mean, if I'm in Sheboygan, that's probably I mean that's I'm gonna eat up all all the scenery. In all the places, yeah. <laughs> Sheboygan, real big in Sheboygan.
2: Real <laughs> yeah, big in Sheboygan, that's, yeah. yeah, that's Boygan. it. <laughs> um, how do you feel about nacho fries? Nacho fries are back too.
0: They're okay. First time I had them, I was walking uh, back from a game in El Paso, uh, which you're not supposed to. You're supposed to take the shuttle to the hotel, but I like to walk everywhere. And uh, I, there was a Taco Bell right outside the, uh, the uh, hotel, and I was like, nacho fries? like, what is this? I was like, gotta try it, and uh, they were okay. They're okay. I've maybe had them two or three times in my life, but yeah. Just, I mean, why why go there when you when there's other stuff, right? Why go nacho fries when you can get something really awesome? Yeah.
3: <laughs> I had a steak thug. quesadilla guy, man.
2: I just yeah. stick with okay. the classic. It's the well, it's the, whatever
0: sauce they put in there with the quesadillas. I mean, that's just yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, dip yep. a napkin in that and eat it. <laughs> 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 that's all you need. <laughs> Can I just get a tube of that sauce? You know which one I'm talking about. Yeah.
2: Just put it in an IV, actually, and just hook it right up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Jake. Oh, let's do bold predictions. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? I'm going to go first. Okay. I'm excited. Okay, so my we first one. This, we should get this segment sponsored by Taco Bell. That would be good stuff. See now. Man, I'm that's the second time
0: I've heard that today. Somebody else told me you should get <laughs> sponsored by Taco Bell. And, you know, have you ever seen The Blind Side? Uh, Not with, for a while. Uh, Tim McGraw and, and um,
4: yep. Sandra Bullock. Bullock.
0: Yeah, so the characters they play, the Tuies, are actually friends with my wife's aunt and uncle. And so I'm still trying to make that connection where maybe I can meet them and say, will you put me on a poster for Taco Bell or something? Like just a commercial, <laughs> a lifetime card, something like that?" Is all I'm looking for. Not <laughs> a big deal. But yeah, anyway, sorry. I doubt they're going to sponsor your segment. I've reached out. I haven't gotten an email back.
2: Wow. Hmm. I guess we need more followers. We got to work on that. (laughs) That's
0: why we're here. Let's go.
3: We're trying, man. All right. (laughs) So, first one uh, my first bold prediction is the Brewers will finish with the best bullpen in the entire major leagues. The lowest batting average. I mean, that's that's how you're doing it.
0: Lowest batting average and. Like, fewest runs and, allowed and, and or something
3: lowest like lowest ERA. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking okay. for them to just dominate because I think they have the talent at the back end of the bullpen to be able to do stuff like that.
0: Well, uh, I think you look at what Josh Hader has done and created down there, and he's mm-hmm. been so consistent, right? Like, how could someone say, well, he's bound to have a bet? guy's legit. And you watch him in spring yeah. training, and it's just an optical illusion. Guys can't hit it. Um, And then you got Devin Williams coming back. Devin he's going to be healthy. Yeah. Brent Suter yep. doing his thing. I mean – they they have all the pieces. Boxberger, I mean, Boxberger was amazing last year, and he didn't even make yeah. the opening day roster bullpen. Think about that. And, uh, yeah, they're going to have if, – if they're not number one, they're number two.
4: But I think they'll Damn. be
0: number one because I know there's some good bullpens out there, but mm-hmm. uh, that many pieces, it, it's tough It's tough to bet against them, which you're not allowed to bet in baseball, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can't football. do it. You can't do it in football either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> the other guy that you mentioned, if we're still talking about the bullpen, is Jake Cousins. He kind of just burst out of nowhere last year, and it's like, damn, this guy's actually got really good stuff. Like he only, he pitched thirty innings in thirty games, had a two seventy ERA last year, and forty four strikeouts. Yeah,
0: his his slider is just it's devastating. It's one of those pitches where uh, like so if he was a starter and he threw it every pitch, I think hitters would be able to make adjustments on it. But the guy's not a starter. So you only see him maybe once a series and you probably, you know, maybe three select batters out of the entire lineup get to go up there and they see this slider. That is it's just I mean, watching guys, they can't pick it up. It's something like it comes in and right when they commit, the ball is still there. I mean, they're, they're, they're like, I'm going to hit this ball. And they still think it's there. And then right when they're about to make contact, the ball moves about two feet. <laughs> it's the, one of the most late-breaking sliders that I've seen in person. And one of the most fun guys to watch pitch because, you know, I felt at times that's kind of the way I threw. Because not every time is your, your breaking ball going to be your best pitch. And he's got a great fastball. And, you know, you would almost think the old-school way of thinking, all right, let me get two strikes, and then I'll throw the slider. Well, that's not the case anymore. The Yankees, about five or six years ago, at one point at the All-Star break, had had thrown more off-speed pitches than fastballs. So there's a wave coming through of, hey, if it's your best pitch, don't get beat by a second best pitch. Go ahead and go out there. Go with your best pitch. Devin Williams with the changeup. I mean, go out there. Throw this slider. And I think that's what he did. When he did the best, he went out there, and it was slider, slider, slider. It's a one-two count. What's he going to throw? And it's a slider. (laughs) And the hitter's like... Four just nasty pitches. Like, what are you gonna do? So, yeah, he's that guy's. That guy's legit. Fun to watch.
2: Yeah, I like Jake Cousins. He he might be one of my breakout candidates if I had to pick one.
0: It's it's tough to pick a bullpen breakout guy. I mean, that's, I mean, that you're talking about opportunities and all sorts of moves yeah. and all that yep. kind of stuff. It's easier to pick a position player.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, you see them a lot more often. You can yeah. kind of project those stats, in my
0: yeah. opinion.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> So this is this is my my stepmom, my dad's wife. Uh, on the subject of Sheboygan, this is what she had to say: that she has three Dillard bobbleheads that she'd love to get autographed if you were in Sheboygan.
0: <laughs> Ooh, okay, yeah. Um, trying to think. <laughs> <laughs> How far away is it from Milwaukee?
2: It's like uh forty-five minutes north. Oh, that's nothing. Speed limit. Oh yeah,
0: I, I, that's that's fine. I just have to pick a night where I can or a day I can head up there. I do need a place to crash though, so. Is that where you're broadcasting from now? The basement? That's
2: yeah, that's yeah.
0: Can I do you have, not a, couch? Me, not me. I have a couch? I'm in Nina. <laughs> oh, okay. You have a couch, my, right? Like, <laughs> my
2: my dad and, and his wife would probably pay you to sleep on their couch. <laughs> Big fans. Big yeah. fans. Just
0: the way you said that. Just the way you said that. I'm gonna go ahead and pass <laughs> But yeah, that's all right. There you go. There's a goal. I got invited uh, to a, a town uh, last year. Like some guys were like, hey, man, you want to come and just hang out with us? So totally did it. Brought Dario Melendez too. Dario was nice. there for a couple hours and then he bounced. But um, yeah, there it is.
2: That would be awesome. Actually, I would I'm going take to Sheboygan bowling and take your bowling into Taco Bell. And that'll be <laughs> time of our lives.
0: No, I'm going to need a list of stuff I have to do and I'll make sure I do them all. <laughs>
2: Bowling will, is uh, kind of a must, in my opinion. That, was, that is, that is. Uh, I will, you know what, as soon as we're done with this, I will put that list together.
0: Perfect. Well, <laughs> I bowl as good as them. I curl, so <laughs> don't expect any, much. any
2: Any sport with a slippery surface, Tim Dillard is out.
0: Yeah, right? <laughs> Unless I can wear spikes. That's what I'm used to, I guess. <laughs> All
2: right. My first bold prediction is, I'm going to stick with pitching. My first bold prediction is that, Corbin Burns is going to win back-to-back Cy Young Awards.
0: Wow. I mean, can he do it? Of course he can. That's just – but it's kind of a rare thing. Um, I mean, you almost want to say that Brandon Woodruff has a chance too. Uh, I saw saw somebody's list on MLB Network of like the top 10 starting pitchers. Did y'all see this?
2: Yep, I did see that. One that burns at nine.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know who the guy it was that, that some of them were okay, but I saw one I was going, no shot. <laughs> I was about to I was about to take a picture and tweet it and be like, Man, you're missing about seven names.
2: <laughs> your top 10? Yeah,
0: yeah. But that's a good thing though, when you have that many good pitchers, starting pitchers, uh, throughout right. all of baseball. But then you go specifics like which team has like the best starting rotation. And it's hard to say that the Brewers don't have the best mm-hmm. starting rotation. I mean, that's just uh, – I don't know, don't know much about Eric Lauer's uh, groin injury. I guess he had a couple days ago. Um, still waiting to hear
2: yeah. you
0: know, maybe some finality on that. But um, for, as, top, as far as those top four guys, I mean, they are just – they're as good as anybody out there.
2: Yeah. I mean, you could throw Hauser in there too. I'm going to – spoiler alert, I have a bold prediction about Hauser. But, I mean, even – Hauser's my even, go-to guy.
0: I, I'm, I've been, I'm the biggest Hauser – fan Uh-oh. that guy because he's a sinker baller i love the yeah, sinker uh, and okay. right now hardly anybody in baseball is throwing sinkers but when they do they are effective so not everyone's going to strike out the world he can go out there and get the world to ground out yep <laughs> and that's, that's, okay that's too. why
2: that's why eric lauer and and adrian hauser are kind of un, like underappreciated
0: mm-hmm. There's yeah.
2: like you know corbin burns and brandon woodruff from freddie peralta they're all going to try to strike you out they're all power pitchers that are just going to throw you nasty stuff trying to strike you out and then you got Lauer and Hauser will take just a couple miles an hour off some of their pitches, and they'll just get you to ground out all game.
0: And that's okay. There's more than one way to get something done mm-hmm. like that in baseball. You don't have to throw 100. You don't have to have an amazing cutter. If you just throw it up there and make it move, look at Greg Maddox. You know, that's a really yeah. good way to carve out a career, and it's really yep. good for your arm. Right. Uh, but you don't but have to for throw me, many pitches. exactly. And I saw Hauser the other day. He was, he was perfect. He went out there, and he was throwing the ball, was moving a ton. And I promise, none of these hitters – go through the offseason going i'm going to hit off this pitching machine i'm going to set it up to throw two seamers no one does that because there's not that many guys that you're going to face throwing two seamers they're willing to throw that at bat away like oh well i wasn't ready for that one uh, but i'm not going to face this guy that much so i think right now i think for the next couple years being a sinker baller is really going to be uh it's going to be a really good thing to do
2: all right jake you want to hit us with your second bold prediction
3: you just said my second bowl, but I'm going to think of one while you're saying your second one. So I'll give him my first. Okay. My first is Yelich is going to return to MVP form. He's going to hit 288. He's going to have 40 home runs and 110 plus RBIs. That's my 40 prediction. home
0: runs. That's a lot of home runs. Man. <laughs> hey, Hey,
3: when I say MVP form, he's going to return, man. 40 bombs, baby. I'm ready. That's
0: what you wrote. I yes. Can't... Yeah. Yeah. 40 home runs. Wow. Oh, that's, oh, that's my, in book. That's my that's notebook. Mine. No, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Forty yeah. home yeah.
3: runs right Yeah, there 110 RBIs,
2: 288.
0: I don't have, <laughs> a, I don't have a notebook.
2: <laughs> I like that we I like that you and I are similar in some ways, but I don't like it when you steal my bold predictions. Mm. You, you just stole mine, says, but we're, you we're just okay. right out of my notebook, Yelich forty home runs. Okay. All right. Well all right. My, one of the points that I wanted to more. make about Yelich possibly hitting forty home runs is that he's probably gonna get some time at DH this year. So like you were mentioning with Tyrone Taylor possibly getting some more opportunity this year, you know, you could stick Tyrone Taylor out in the outfield and still have Yelich's bat in the lineup at DH. So I think that maybe takes some stress off of his back and whatever other injury he ends up potentially dealing with um, if he does, or, you know, Lorenzo Cain, if he deals with injuries, but uh, being able to stick Yelich at DH once in a while and still keep his bat in the lineup, I think that could assist him into getting to that higher home run number.
0: That's a great point. You start looking at what the DH is going to do specifically with the Brewers. They have so many moving parts. And you're mm-hmm. right, Lorenzo Kane going down with the injuries a few times, Yelich in his back. I think it's going to alleviate a lot of pressure on guys having to perform. You know, otherwise it's like, hey, I need a day. It's not usually because they can't hit. It's usually because, man, you're going to stick me out in the mm-hmm. outfield. If I can't run a ball down, that's a detriment. Right. So let me just sit this out. But now they don't have oh, maybe a pinch hit in the seventh. Okay, great. Now it's like you can have that same bat and that same power Mm -hmm. um, and at their pace. And I I mean, that's a, that's a great point. I'm going to use that. I'm going to steal that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Now I do. Now I do have a notebook. I'm going to write that down. (laughs)
2: All right. So you might not like this one, but my last bold prediction was that the Brewers would trade Adrian Hauser for a left-handed bat, potentially a guy like Austin Meadows.
0: I mean, I don't see that happening. There's no reason to. I mean, they have control over most of these guys, right. and Hauser stays healthy. And if they stopped limiting innings or have a six-man, if they had a five-man rotation instead of six-man rotation, you're talking about five starting pitchers, at least you know, possibly four to five starting pitchers throwing nearly 200 innings, yeah. getting getting 32 to 34 starts. We're talking. Back, you know, look at the Giants when they had Linsicum and uh, Matt Kane and Bumgardner. Like we're talking about that. We're talking about the Cardinals having Lance Lynn and Wainwright and Carpenter. You're talking about those yeah. kind of workhorses, and you got them in three and four. So why would you give a guy away that has that potential? So I think, I think under, they, I hope, yeah, he's I under he's control under, for a little while.
2: I think he's under either either twenty four or twenty five. It might be twenty four. But
0: this is probably something I'm supposed to know. <laughs> i'm not on the so, clock yet <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> that's that's something that jake and i have talked about is what the brewers could potentially do it feels like they need another another bat or another maybe another first baseman somebody to back up rowdy or if they're gonna maybe roll with keston hira um did you hear about craig council saying that Kess and hira might get some innings in the outfield
0: well he did play left field for an inning uh last year right <clears throat> Somebody, something happened. Somebody got hurt. They moved him from first to left field in the middle of an inning, I believe, and actually made a play because that's how it is. As soon as you get out in the field, the ball will find you. Promise you that. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to, I mean, just like last year for 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 Keston, it's, it's definitely going to be, oh, that's my alarm. I got to go pick my kid up from track. Uh, he can wait. Uh, no, uh, it's, it's come all going to run down. Off. What yeah, how fast he really is. <laughs> He's been running all day <laughs> at school. Yeah, <laughs> uphill both ways. Yeah, no, it's all going to come down to hitting. So the Brewers, they have their pitching set, and they're not in the in the in the business of giving up a lot of runs. But they have to score runs, and they don't they don't even have to worry about okay, is this guy hitting or not? Because they'll just go get somebody else. They have a plethora of hitters. I mean, you look at Pablo Reyes, the guy, Rakes, Andrew McCutcheon, Hunter Renfro, uh, yep. Toles. Like they have guys that can do this. <clears throat> Uh, to me, it's if if you can hit, they'll put you anywhere. If you can hit, they're going to find you. I think the, I think the hey, we're just waiting around to see what's going to happen is over. You know, or your spot for a lefty or righty. I think it's if you can hit, we're going to shove you in that lineup at whatever place you can play, whatever we have a need for. And we know Craig Council loves that. We he, yeah. we know that he loves to put guys a little bit out of their comfort zone and see what they get. And I mean, it's worked. The percentage yeah. is in his
2: favor. I'd put Jace Peterson everywhere in between
0: jace is the unsung hero that guy is i wanted to be him when i was a kid like that's the kind of player i wanted to be the dirtiest car in the parking lot you know go out there and just dominate and then just you know act like it's no big deal because it's like well this is my job so i'm supposed to do they interview him and they're like jace peter that was a great walk-off base hit. you know that was a great double in the third he's like yeah i'm a baseball player this is what i'm supposed to do you know like yeah man that's that's what i wanted to be so yeah that guy's awesome See, they have so many options. It's just, they, I think what you, what you get from the Brewers that maybe you don't get from other teams is just excitement. I mean, I, I think we take it for granted. I took it for granted last year. You would see these games and you're like, every single game is just so much fun. And you just, I don't know, these guys are just showcasing everything they can do every single game. And then you watch like maybe two other teams play and you're kind of like, ah, you know, are these teams as exciting? So the Brewers are, I mean, they're, they're awesome. And Milwaukee is spoiled and Wisconsin's uh, lucky to have them.
3: Oh god! Don't get us into the conversation about how spoiled Wisconsin fans, are man. <laughs> seriously, you you took the word right out of my spoiled? mouth. Did I say spoiled? No, maybe I did. Oh, we, they are spoiled. They are <laughs> definitely spoiled. I mean, you look at the Bucks; you could tell that the camaraderie with that team—they all love each other. You get that feeling with the Brewers; they all love each other. They all like being around each other every day. They're all
2: goofballs, it seems like too.
3: Yeah, and I, I mean, Tyler was just texting me a couple of weeks ago about watching all their intros and all their videos, and it's like they're just—they're funny. They're you can you enjoy them. You can yeah. sit, I can sit down and watch a half an hour of that. You know it'd be funny for me, but you know, the, just Wisconsin sports fans just get under my, on my nerves sometimes. Man, with <laughs> oh man, all the all, the all the all the tra- dude. This has been on my mind for like two months now about how annoying this. Hey, is. Hey, if there was it's no just...
0: fan bases, this wouldn't be the case. But we all know that fans <laughs> come out in droves. I mean, there's I know, sellouts man. after sellouts after sellouts, man. They, Wisconsin sports
2: is pretty amazing. It I do is. need to let
0: y'all go, though. Otherwise, my kid yeah. will think he's having to run home.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, it would be awesome if I could work out to, to see you and hang out in person. But we would always love to have you back. It's always fun. It's always yeah, a man. Lot of message, having you on. message
0: me on Twitter after this. Let me know what, what I got to do. I'll be there uh, April 7th is the first game. So I'll be there April 7th.
2: Awesome. Sounds hey, good. And if you,
3: if you want to learn something from bowling, my dad owns like 20 bowling balls so he could teach you some bowling i'll tell you that so i'm gonna
0: leave sheboygan (laughs) with a bowling ball
3: i mean you might you might i'll have have to see he has a bunch of them man
0: now now i'm definitely now i'm definitely coming but i do have to go all right (laughs) i appreciate it guys
2: that would be like one of the most random things that your dad would ever tell people is like yeah this one time i gave tim dillard a bowling ball (laughs) right (laughs) See, look at him! Look at him! I got one! Look at, I got
3: one! I'm telling, dude, my dad literally has like three, four bags just sitting in the back back room at his house, a bunch of bowling balls. Uh, I believe that.
2: <laughs> it's true. Oh, that's awesome!
3: I a oh. shout out my dad, Dillard. Man, that guy's just born funny. I think.
2: I I agree. That's all. Yeah, that's funny. Look at, he him just on. bought
3: two of them. Look at this guy.
2: Just bought two. Oh, all right. Um. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, that'd be awesome. If we get Tim Dillard to come hang out in Sheboygan for a day. That'd be awesome. I'll come up, man. Be <clears throat> All right. So now let's do the rest of our Brewers primer. We kind of talked about the bullpen already. Mm-hmm. So, kind of want to run through the starters, go through the position players, and we already did our bold predictions. So. Basically I got, I'm I got one at... more bowl prediction. Oh, okay. All right, you made another one. All right. Yeah, I, ju- I just you cooked one up mine, real quick. So. All right, I'm, go hey, ahead. Hey, you
3: still, you still. I have, I have Corbin Burns back to back. Cy Young's on here too. So we, we had two of the same. But I got, I got this one. So the Brewers last year were 27th in batting average as a team at 233. Obviously, that was our downfall. I had a feeling about the Brewers. That the same feeling I had about the Packers. Right, like we knew what our weak link was. Same thing with the Packers. It was special teams. Yep. Uh, with the Brewers, it was batting average. Yep. So if they can get up to, you know, go up a couple percentage points, get into the 240 range, 245 was 10th. If they can get into that 240, 245 range, this team's going to be unstoppable with how good they are at pitching. So that'll be my bold prediction. Get up, They're going to get up into the 240s in batting average. All
2: right. Well, <clears throat> you already, I mean, we know how good the pitching is, so we have yeah. that. So let's start with the rotation. Yep. Uh, <laughs> he said get on that itinerary. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so starting with Corbin Burns, he's obviously the Cy Young winner. Had a major league best, 2.43 ERA. Um, Had the best fielding independent pitching, which measures your efficiency in striking batters out while not allowing home runs, walks, and hit-by pitches. So Corbin Burns also led in that. He led in home runs per nine innings, only gave up .4 home runs per nine innings last year, which means it took him 22 and a half innings to give up a home run for Corbin Burns last year. That's insane. Wow. That is. <laughs> um, also led in strikeouts per nine innings at 12.6 and strikeouts per walks. So we know last year he started off with the 58 strikeouts before he pitched a walk. The and MLB then record. That was an MLB out. record to start the season. And yes. then um, had the combined no hitter. With mm-hmm. Josh Hader last September, so mm-hmm. um, Corbin Burns is is the number one. He's going to be the opening day starter. Um, I assume you're looking at Brandon Woodruff for number two. I'll let you take Woodruff.
3: Yeah. Uh, so Woodruff made the All Star team last year, um, and if it wasn't for Corbin Burns just being absolutely insane, we'd be talking a lot more about uh, Woodruff. You know, so um, Woodruff nine nine wins, ten losses, but that doesn't really you know. Got to get him
2: some run support. Oh yeah, my that god.
3: I was going to say that doesn't really tell the tale of how really good he was because he had the fourth-best ERA in all of Major League Baseball at 2.56. So, I mean, this guy can strike people out. He had 211 strikeouts last year, uh, which was 11th in the MLB. So you have those two on top of your rotation. You have a Woodruff and a Burns back-to-back, and then you follow it up with a Freddie Peralta. Holy Kamoli, man! That's <laughs> um, that's tough to, to come into, man. I mean, think about that.
2: Brandon Woodruff finished fifth in Cy Young voting. Yeah, our second we... best pitcher finished fifth in Cy Young voting.
3: It's just that's <laughs> crazy, man. I mean, these guys are just incredible, man. So
2: incredible. I I I refer to Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta as the big three because they yeah. are they're the they're the strikeout guys, they're the power pitcher guys. Freddie Peralta was also an All Star last year. Uh, mm-hmm. He had a 2.81 ERA, 12.2 strikeouts per nine innings, which is just insane. These, He's these only top get three, better. and and David Stearns is an absolute wizard. Before last season, locked Freddie Peralta up through the 2025 season for like like five million change. That a boy, locked him up for a long time. So yeah, David Ste- David Stearns is a wizard, along with John Horst and Russ Ball. So mm-hmm. um, after Freddie Peralta, who are you looking at?
3: Freddie Peralta, the next guy I have, I have Adrian Hauser written down. And right. I like everything about Adrian Hauser's game. He comes in, and he's not the flashy guy. I mean, we just talked about it. He, he doesn't have, you know, all the great, amazing stuff. He's a sinker baller, as we just talked about. But he still had some good stats. He had 10 wins, 6 losses. He pitched 28 games. He had a 3-point a 2-2 ERA, which is still very, very solid, Pretty very solid, respectable, yeah. yep. and seven seven quality starts. So you're looking at your fourth oh. guy and your fifth guy, and you're like seven quality starts. I'll take that, <clears throat> especially when you're so top heavy in the rotation. And it's crazy because I actually think Adrian is good enough to be a three in a lot of rotations, but sure. he, you know, in our rotation he's not, which is <laughs> actually you know a beautiful thing. So after that, who do you
2: got? after that before actually before we move on from hauser i do also want to say that i do majorly appreciate adrian hauser because of him matt garza has not thrown the most recent complete game shutout in brewer's history now it's adrian hauser so we we got that monkey off the back and we don't have to talk about about matt garza anymore thank god for that terrible (laughs) contract yeah Uh, after that i have eric lauer um the only lefty in the starting rotation, unless you count Aaron Ashby and Ethan Small, who I do want to mention before we move to the bullpen. But um, yeah, even Eric Lauer, he's a, is a lefty. He's similar style-wise to Adrian Hauser. He's going to be trying to get you to ground out. He's not going to be trying to strike you out. Um, yeah. He had a 319 ERA. So Seriously. the Brewers last year, their starting lineup, their starting five rotation, was doing you know collectively things that had never been done before. Yeah. with the you know all the guys that they have under a 322 era it's arguable but I would in my opinion partially because I'm you know I'm a Brewers fan but the Brewers have one of if not the best starting rotation in major league baseball
3: oh 100 percent I mean oh man I'd really have to dive into it but they're easily top three in my opinion yeah when you have I would, three. You have three guys that are in the top twenty in total strikeouts. Yep, that right there already tells me that you're top three.
2: I think I think the depth is what would come and and really put them over the top with it because like the Dodgers mm. have some really really good starters. Yep, and the Mets have Degrom and Scherzer. Yep. So I mean, I, I, once you get one is... through five, I would say the Brewers have the best. Yep,
3: I agree. I agree. Um, you want me to take uh, Aaron Ashby? Sure. Okay, Uh, so Aaron Ashby, obviously a guy that you could tell was just flashing potential last year. He has some really, really good stuff, Uh, but you could also tell that he was young. He made he made a couple pitching mistakes. He missed location every once in a while, but you know he got some postseason experience. He got some experience being in some tough spots. Um, He started some games, came in the bullpen. So you're getting him looking at a lot of different scenarios in baseball in a lot of different ways. Um, he was five and four. He had a four forty one ERA. So he got nicked around a little bit. But on on the Brewers official site, he's listed as a starter slash bullpen. So he's just a guy that is just going to be a tool for us to use, especially in a season where it's going to be kind <clears> of <throat> jam packed, in mm-hmm. my opinion.
2: Yeah. So you know, the other thing is is that the Brewers have done that in the past with guys. Mm-hmm. Like they did it with Burns. They did it with Peralta, where they'd use them out of the bullpen a little bit, just to kind of get their feet wet in Major League Baseball, and then you make them a starter. Um. The other guys, you you kind of touched on this already, and that's, that transitions well into Ethan Small, is Greg Council. He, he likes his six-man rotation, so he can limit innings, keep guys healthy and fresh. And this year, with the condensed schedule, there's going to be a few doubleheaders, and there's going to be a few days where there was supposed to be an off day, but there's no longer an off day. So mm-hmm. that's where you might see an Ethan Small make a spot start here and there and um, and just kind of pop up into the rotation. But Craig Council did say that Ethan Small will make some starts this year. So he's going to be another guy to keep an eye on um, as he comes into the Major League Baseball. Um, should we move into the bullpen? I mean, we kind of talked about the bullpen a good amount already, but we can I mean get a little deeper if you want.
3: I have four people written down for the bullpen outside of Aaron Ashby. Um, <clears throat> I have the two big guns. And then I have Boxberger and Jake Cousins because yep. those are my two other favorite pitchers in the bullpen. So mm-hmm. uh, we could talk about those guys if you want. I mean, I'll take I'll take uh, Boxburger if you want to take Cousins.
2: All right. Well, I did already mention Cousins just kind of burst out of nowhere. He had 44 strikeouts in 30 innings and a 2.70 ERA. And we had we had Tim Dillard being able to explain to us how nasty his slider is. It mm-hmm. like I said, it was really fun just to watch him come out of nowhere and then just throw nasty stuff and have the better cousins than the one in Minnesota. So we got Dude, that going for us too. I always, I just want to keep taking it. <laughs> just, just turn it, baby. Just turn it, man. I love that. All right. Brad Boxberger.
3: Um, yeah. Brad Boxberger. He's just a, he's a horse, man. He, he comes in, he pitched 71 games, which is impressive, yeah. man. He's five and four, had a 334 earned run average. I mean, the guy just comes in, and he just gets put in tough spots, two people on, and he'll just get you out of the inning. That's just the kind of guy he is, and you need those kind of guys to be a successful baseball yep. team. So Brad Boxberger oh, re-signing, that just happened recently, right? A couple yep. old, like last week. Yeah, like last week. So that was huge signing for us to bring him back. That yep. was just – that kind of change because I already had my, my wins prediction written down, and then all of a sudden you, they bring Boxberger back. I'm like, oh, man, that changes a few things for me, man.
2: Yeah. 'Cause that, he's a
3: guy that can determine a lot of that stuff, man.
2: The the really nice thing the Brewers have set up here is, you know, you don't it's not always gonna happen, but say you have a five inning start from somebody like Eric Lower, you can go to Cousins in the sixth, Boxberger in the seventh, Devin Williams in the eighth, and Josh Hader in the ninth, and it's like Where is a team gonna try to score in there? Like yeah. the door is already shut after the fifth inning just ended. <laughs> yeah.
3: We talked <laughs> oh. about that, man, all last year, man, about how good the back end of
2: this bullpen can really yes. be. So the next guy, we kind of already talked about Devin Williams a little bit with Dillard. Um, he mentioned his changeup, the call at the airbender. Devin Williams' changeup is absolutely disgusting. Um, yes. He had a 2.50 ERA. Devin Williams last season, 14.5 strikeouts per nine innings. Wow. <laughs> Man, that that's nuts, guys. Absolutely nuts. Um, so Devin Williams, he's gonna be the eighth inning, the eighth inning guy again, and -hmm. then we move to the yeah the ninth inning. You want to do Josh Hader? I mean, we could both do Josh because he does he
3: deserves all the flowers that he's gonna get, man. Uh, Josh Hader is just unhittable at times, and you know what he's gonna throw? He throws two pitches. And yep. <laughs> it, it, it's, he's just like, all right, 90% of this is going to be a fastball, but it's so, he hides the ball so well. And when he releases it and then now it's going 96, 97, and you're like, holy on, like that just got on me fast, you know? So Josh Hader might be the best closer in baseball. That's, that's a good, he difference. is,
2: he is the reigning reliever of the year in baseball. So he does have that. Um, his one twenty three ERA, thirty four saves. Devin Williams had fourteen and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Josh Hader had fifteen point six. Dude, Josh Hader's a monster. Josh <laughs> Hader's so, a
3: monster.
2: But the, apparently, though, if you're from New York and you're a Mets fan, you think that we're trading him to the Mets, you know? Because that's what New York fans do—is they think we're just going to trade them all of our best players.
3: Man, I complain about Wisconsin fans, but dude, those. New York and Philly and Chicago—they're just so toxic. Oh my god! Uh, yeah,
2: it's bad. Uh, it's bad. Um, <sighs> same with Yankees fans think that we're just gonna trade them the Adamas. It's like he had MVP votes last year. He like saved our season. And yeah, like yeah, you just, you know, yeah we'll just, we'll give, just him, give him yeah, because, because well, yeah, we'll we, give you like bow down three of our three of our prospects. And you know, that's what I hate. It's like like I get that there's no salary cap in baseball, but just thinking that you can like trade by other teams' best players. Just because you can't. It's like uh, it's not the same just, thing. there
3: just needs to be a salary cap. I'm sorry. There just needs to be a salary
2: cap. Yeah. Or <laughs> or harsher penalties for going over the tax brackets. But that's yeah. When you're when your payroll is like almost three hundred million dollars and there's teams uh, in major league baseball that are at like fifty.
3: There's a problem. Yeah.
2: And now there's expanded playoffs. So now you're gonna have a team that's got three times the payroll of another team and they're gonna be playing against each other and it's just gonna be a sweep and Major League Baseball is gonna be like, Why aren't the playoffs more competitive? God oh, gee, I wonder why. <laughs> we took away the shift. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: <boy. laughs> it's <a> smart ass.
2: <laughs> so you mentioned Hater's fastball. The other thing you have with Josh Hader is he's got a slider that moves like nine and a half feet. <laughs> so <he's, laughs> so that's the those are the two things that Josh Hader is going to throw. He's going to throw yeah. you a 97-mile-an-hour fastball or an 87-mile-an-hour slider, and it's going to be hard to tell which one's which because you're not going to have a lot of time to react to it because he does keep that ball hidden so long.
3: Agreed. It's, just, All right. it's tough. Other and, then couple guys... and then he's got the hair flow, man. He's yeah, got the hair does. flow. So you're seeing him up there. He's looking slick, and then he gives you a 97 <laughs> right to your chin. Let's go. That's how it's done.
2: A <laughs> couple other guys to maybe look some eating some innings. Um, the Brewers did trade for Juan Carlos Maya from the Cleveland Guardians um, for a player to be named later. We do have, still have Brent Suter. He's going to be back in the bullpen. Um, he had 12 wins last season in 61 games. He pitched 73 in a third innings. Um, he only had a 307 ERA. So that's pretty solid from Brent Suter coming out of the bullpen. Other couple names to keep an eye on Alec Bettinger. Um, Miguel Sanchez, John Delgado-Dustavi, Trevor Gott, and maybe Dylan File. I did see that he got optioned to Triple A, so um, he might be up and down. One of those up and down guys. But um, and then maybe maybe Aaron Ashby and Ethan Small. Um, yeah. You know, if there's a three game series where you know they're not playing in Triple A or something like that, they bring the they bring those two along. Maybe they'll pop up for an inning here and there. So Craig Council has his guys. He's going to find get ways to get them on the field. Like Tim Dillard said, if you can play. Console will find a way on the field for you.
3: So, can we pause real quick and respond to this comment right here? Respond to that real quick, <laughs> because as far as I know, that is a Cubs fan, and we're predicting Yelich to get 40 home runs, which is probably about where the the season total for the Cubs will be in home runs because they are going to be, <laughs> be awful. <laughs> <laughs> Awful, they're gonna be I mean, terrible, man.
2: Like like Patrick Wisdom will hit some homers, and they did nope. just get Seiya Suzuki from Japan, but that team is destined to be competing for third place with the the Reds and the Pirates. Eek.
3: That's not where you want to be mentioned. No. Absolutely and, not.
2: I mean the Pirates are the Pirates and the Reds just traded like all of their players to the point that Ken Griffey Jr. is the sixth highest paid player. For the Cincinnati Reds this year. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you guys
3: just can get close to RBIs and home runs. Well, I'll bet you that the Cubs definitely lose 100 games.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's They can uh, can parlay that a little bit. Have a couple hey, we can bet going. on this
3: show. It ain't illegal. <laughs> Brendan Davis is the truth. I don't know anything about Brendan Davis. I don't Davis.
2: know who that is. <laughs> I guess we're going to find out if he's the truth. I mean, if he's a AAA player, he'll be on the Cubs this year cuz the Cubs are going to have a AAA roster, so. Yeah,
3: there they are. Yeah. They <laughs>
2: they're going to they're going to be
3: down and out for a few years, so I'm going to kick them while they're down. That's the kind of guy I am with Chicago. I don't
2: I don't think the Cubs are going to lose 100 games, but I bet they'll be flirting with 90 losses.
3: Yeah, I don't think they'll lose 100 either. If you lose 100 games, you're pretty pretty bad, man. You're that's, Your
2: Baltimore Orioles,
3: bad. Yeah, I can't believe, dude. They did that like multiple years in a row, too. That's just that's freaking sad.
2: Yeah, that's bad.
3: That's Detroit Lions esh.
2: Yeah, or Seriously. or Chicago Bulls versus top three seeds in either conference. Oh, contest. dig it in, <laughs> dig it in. Oh, dig it in. I figured while we're taking shots at Chicago, I mean, as well. <laughs> no. Uh, hey. I, I mean, it's possible that the Cubs aren't as bad as we think, but they're they're not. In the league of the Brewers and the Cardinals, I'm just talking shit, man. I just don't like Chicago teams, so
3: I just talk shit. I mean,
2: we didn't we didn't predict the whole NL Central. We predicted the Brewers' records, but if I were to yep. predict a record for the Cardinals, I'd probably put them around 75 wins. That would be my that would be my guess. That's realistic
3: um, and that's not terrible,
2: right? Um, slightly under 500 would be my prediction. But let's move into let's move into position players. So. Do you want to do outfield first or infield first? Um, infield, infield. infield. right, I'm more excited about infield. All um, right. Ooh, I'm a little bit. I think I'm a little more excited for the outfield, but we'll see what happens. So let's. All right, a
3: pie, Jake. Why am I always betting a fucking pie, man? God
2: damn it! I'm That's just guaranteed for Jake to lose. So I don't know if I. Yeah, it. So I don't want <laughs> to do
3: that. I don't want to do that. I just thought I'm like, if I bet a pie, I'm gonna lose. So I'm just not doing that. Um. I'll start uh I'm going to start with catcher and Omar Narvaez. Yep. I mean, the guy the guy was everything last year. He, he had a pretty good average, 2.66, one of the best on the team. Yep. 11 home runs, uh 49 RBIs. He was an all-star. Yep. And he was the guy that was you know key to all the pitching being as good as it was, calling the the correct games and knowing mm-hmm. where his guys like it. So, having a good catcher, the Brewers always seem to have a good catcher.
2: You know what goes along that, uh, with that with Omar Narvaez being a good catcher? He is the number one pitch framer two years in a row, according to MLB Statcast.
3: Bad boy. Okay, dude Tyler. Dude, there's so many. Oh my god, baseball gives me such a headache because there's just like <laughs> there's a number for this number, and I'm like, why is there a number on that number? That doesn't make sense. There's a drop box in every number. For dude, I wrote I wrote
2: that article for players that could succeed at American Family Field, on yeah. which Andrew McCutcheon made an appearance. So I. Just want to throw that out there that I called that. Pat Anyways, yourself. pat yourself. There. <laughs> there's a stat that I use. It's called weighted runs created plus. Okay. Okay. Well, and what it is, measures. What it, it's it gives you. It's a hundred is a is the benchmark, and it tells you um, based on like ballparks and stuff. It gives you kind of more of a fluid number of determining how good of a hitter a guy is. Takes a whole bunch of stuff into account. But there's a stat for that. Okay. So welcome to baseball. Okay. Okay. <laughs> And then you can get into Dude, you can get into all stat. the all the stat predictors that there is for baseball. There's way more statistical predictors for baseball than there is for any other sport. Because there's there's Pekoda, there's Zips. You can get the uh, the Fan Graphs predictions. There's tons of stuff for baseball. Like you could just you could fill a, a a manual for the the very first computer that ever came out. You could fill that with a year's worth of baseball statistics. You really
3: could, man. <laughs> it's crazy. It is crazy. <laughs>
2: All right. So, did you did you look at who's potentially behind Omar Narvaez for for backup catcher?
3: I don't have it written down, but I remember looking it's, at it.
2: So it's I mean, there's um I forgot his first name. It's Sullivan. He's been a AAA catcher his entire career. Yeah. Um, he's never made it to the major league baseball. And then they signed Pedro Severino. Um, he played. I think he was played for the Orioles last year. He's a veteran guy, so he's probably going to be the primary backup. And then yeah. as far as young guys, one guy that just got optioned, I saw him, he got optioned to AAA, uh, is Mario Feliciano. He's the Brewers' number 13 prospect in their uh, their top 30. So um, okay. he'll probably get some spots, some spot innings here and there. I think he made six appearances last year in Major League Baseball. So um, he would be the third guy that I'd be looking at. So um, switching over to first base. yeah. Whew. It's going to be an interesting position. First base is going to be it interesting. Is. I don't, I don't know is. what's going to happen here. It's going to be Rowdy Teles is going to start yeah. opening day. Um, this was painful to learn and to hear and then to write down and now again to say it. The Brewers have had a different opening day starter at first base every single year since Prince Fielder left. Dude, we are
3: literally the Colts. We are literally the Colts at first base. Look at their oh. quarterback situation. They've had a different starting quarterback for like seven straight years or something like that now.
2: It's like 10 for the Brewers.
3: Yeah, wow, that's crazy.
2: Different starting first baseman every opening day since Prince Fielder. Wow. And honestly, I don't know who the primary backup is. Like, I mean, its is it Keston Hira? Is it a free agent? Is it yeah. Jace Peterson? Uh-huh. I, I mean, I don't know if they'll look to bring anybody up. I mean – I don't really know who else they're gonna stick at first base. That's that's a a backup first baseman is a potentially concerning one for me. That's why I threw out in my bold predictions that maybe they'll make maybe they'll make a move for a first baseman I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they're gonna do there, but
3: um I mean yeah. Keston's gonna be a DH, right? Like a prime our primary D H, right? Like that
2: Andrew McCutcheon, I think, is gonna be the primary D H.
3: Okay, that makes more Keston
2: sense. Keston Hero, I'm sure we'll get some will get some games at D H for sure.
3: I mean, it just sucked because Keston here, you know, the the first, you know, the year before he was just raking, man. We're just looking at this guy. We're like, I will deal with his errors because this guy hits dingers and he, you know, brings people home. You know, that's what it came down to. But last year was just tough year, man. And and it's worth
2: noting, again, he dealt with personal issues last year. His mom had cancer. So he was going with that. So that is, you know, that is possible that that was what was affecting him. So, you know, maybe we'll get a bounce back year from Keston here, which would be huge.
3: Yeah, that would be absolutely massive. I mean, if you look at Telez and Hira, their potential together. I mean you got a lefty and a righty. I both mean they guys don't play power. Yeah, they don't play the best defense, I guess. I mean, last year I called Rowdy Telez. I said he has the agility of a refrigerator, so that's pretty rude. <laughs> um But I mean, if if the both the guys can hit up to their potential, I think we'll be okay over there, man. I think we'll be okay.
2: All right. How are you feeling about second base? He's
3: real good, and he's still the swag king. I can't, I care.
2: I'm still salty that he didn't win the gold glove last year. That is such garbage Yeah, he's that a he monster. didn't win the gold glove.
3: He hits for average. He's a slick fielder. I mean, no more juice. Okay, we'll get to that in a second. Um, Tellez, or, or Colton Wong. Jeez, now, now Wilkins is just messing with my brain. Um, Colton Wong, I mean, he's just a monster. He does everything. Thing. he he's a good lock guy um hits for average uh, he stops runs I mean wins above replacement he's very good and he has 50 RBIs. So that you know second base usually isn't a run producing spot but he did a pretty good job in my opinion one of our one of our he's our leadoff hitter so Colton Wong is very good we are very strong at second base we are very strong up the middle I will say
2: yes I agree so <clears throat> the other guy the Brewers brought in to back up second base is Mike Brousseau. they brought him in from Tampa Bay Apparently, there's a super strong connection between Milwaukee and Tampa Bay. Milwaukee is like the Tampa Bay of of the NL. Um, and actually, the parallels are pretty close if you look at it. But yeah, yeah. that's – so they, these teams kind of work together a lot, it seems. And so I'm looking at Mike Brousseau as the primary backup second baseman. Jace Peterson, probably play a lot of backup second base. Um, I didn't know where to put Peterson. I just put baseball player.
1: That's really what I put, because I
3: put first base, second base, and I was like, dude, where the hell does Peterson play? Everywhere. I've, I've literally seen him play one through – well, two through nine, basically.
2: Not catcher, but yeah, – yeah. Every, yeah, everything but catcher. He, he's, he's three through nine. Yeah. <laughs> and and through, like, two innings of, of baseball. Right. Um, <laughs> so, to answer the snarky Christian Yelich question, um, first of all, he fractured his kneecap. Like I can't even imagine like how painful that would be. Like fracturing a kneecap. Um mm. and then he dealt with a back injury after that. So coming into this season, um, I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit to the outfield, but Christian Yelich did say that he's he didn't he didn't use the best shape of his life quote, but he did talk about using this off season to get to know his body better, um, being in better shape, understanding his body better. Um mm you know, kind of getting in shape in different ways and being more ready for the season. And and like, like I said, understanding his body better was, was the way that he phrased it. So, um, I mean, it's a bold prediction. So it's something that, you know, it doesn't necessarily look like it's something that's going to happen, but it could happen. So, you know, we call them bold predictions. It's not like lukewarm predictions they are called bold predictions for a reason. That's why we make them that way. Mm -hmm. But Are you going to go across the field at fifth position, or are you going to go across the field in the order that they are? Do you want to go to shortstop or third base first?
3: Um, I do shortstop first.
2: All right. We are are rolling up to – I can't wait for May 22nd because we're going to celebrate Willie Adonis Day. (laughs) (laughs) We had the Willie Adonis bobblehead on May 22nd, actually, so the Brewers are thinking the same thing as us. And That's having cool. Willie Adams Day on May twenty second, brilliant marketing. Brilliant. He marketing. was he was the really the catalyst for the turnaround of the season last year. I yeah. really truly believe that he. Like I said, he did receive some MVP votes. His his energy is just absolutely infectious. He's great in the clubhouse. Um, reminds me of Carlos Gomez that way, and actually he knows Carlos Gomez because they were together in Tampa Bay for a little bit. Um, he plays plays really good defense. Has a great bat. Uh, batted 285 last year um, after the home run, or after the home run, after the trade to the Brewers. Batted 285, had an 886 OPS, which is on base plus slugging. And after the trade, this is a month and a half into the season, 20 home runs after the trade to the Brewers last year. So I love Willie Adonis. I had to get a jersey last year already, and I'm excited to wear it a whole bunch.
3: Yeah, uh Willie Adamus, man. What is there to say about him that hasn't already been said? His energy really, really just sparked a fire in the locker room. Man, he brought he brought everything and he really is the reason for the turnaround, man. He was he was amazing and the smile I can still see it in my head. I can still see Willie Adamus' smile and how excited he is and he just reminds you of a kid. Out there playing playing his first game. Every game feels like his first game, and every at bat feels like his first at bat. And you know, we talked about his powered opposite field. That's something that should get mentioned. The guy can hit it all over the ballpark, hit for average, and he's just got a freaking cannon. You know, on defense, he can throw some ropes, baby. So I am excited to watch Colton Wong and Willie Adams have a full season, a spring training, everything together. They're going to be really, really nice. And then we come to Tyler's favorite Player on the team,
2: (laughs) I I stuck by him when people didn't. You did. I'm glad I did. did.
3: I I will give you your credit because you were the first one that told me like Luis Arias is the answer. Just give it time. Just give it time. Just relax. And he was everything, man. He hit for power, hit for average. He had a couple multi home run games. I mean, and he had some errors. And you know, like we talked about, most of those were at shortstop, but. I want you to go after me on this one because this is your guy. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm ready. So I, let me,
2: let me hear it. This is, this is a little spicy, but I'm gonna say he was the Brewers' second best player last year. You're talking like just position players? Position players, obviously. Yeah, obviously pitchers is separate because that would be a whole other thing. But as far as okay. position players, I, I, th-
3: okay. I don't think that's too crazy. I think you can make that argument pretty easily.
2: Um, I I still feel that he's underrated because I think people had such a strong attachment to Orlando Arcia Mm -hmm. that, you know, and I understand like Orlando Arcia, he was a good clubhouse guy too. He was a fun guy. You know, people liked him. Um, I mean, the thing with Arcia, it was, it was time to move on. He needed the change of scenery. The Brewers had Luis Urias coming up. They needed to find out from the Trent Grisham trade, which we got Eric Lauer and Luis Urias. So I would say the Brewers definitely won that trade yeah but (laughs) um actually real quick speaking of winning trades the brewers traded four players for christian yelich all four of those players have now been designated for assignment and are out of major league baseball wow all four of the guys that the brewers traded for christian yelich wow (laughs) so there's that anyways back to luis arias um it really seemed like like Tim Dillard said the same thing, that the move from shortstop to third base was really the, the catalyst for him. I mean, he was overthrowing the first baseman, so maybe having to throw just this much farther, I mean, made it so that he was throwing the perfect distance. Yeah, um yeah. and I think that the really the the thing that surprised a lot of people is that he actually had some pretty good power. He hit twenty-three home runs last season. So we'll see if he can build on that, if he'll either be, you know, around the same or if he can jump that up to get over 25 and, and maybe push even 30 home runs would be insane. But um, I don't think it's fair to you know, say that it's um, outside the realm of possibility that Luis Urias could hit 30 home runs, um, especially if he gets off to a hot start And now that he's going to be playing every day. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to uh, Mike Brousseau and Jace Peterson potentially backing up Luis Urias, also, Tim Dillard mentioned a guy that can rake, and it's Pablo Reyes. He came in last year, um, some spot innings here and there, um, some pop-up games. And he, he can rake. He can hit the ball really hard. So Pablo Reyes will probably end up getting some games at third base this season too.
3: I just want to give a shout-out to Pablo Reyes because the game I went to was his birthday, and that was the only home run he hit all year it was on his freaking <laughs> birthday. His first at-bat on his birthday, was that was lit, man. <laughs> I got everybody out of their seat. Uh, Pablo Reyes, I like him. Young guy, that'll be that'll be good if he can yeah. uh, give us some good at bats.
2: Yeah, Wilkins. I did not know that Brinson signed to a team. I mean, it's not. It doesn't shock me that he signed with another team, but I mean, as far as any of those guys are concerned, if they get signed somewhere, it's going to be to play minor league baseball.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'll take Christian Yelich. It's good. Uh, I'll take that trade, even <laughs> though people think he wasn't close to the ball. D-
2: yeah, <laughs> I mean he's still bad at 248 last year. Yeah, in 117 games.
3: I mean that's a real. Do- I mean Yelich had a stru- had a struggle last year. He wasn't good. Let's let's not work our way around it. When you win an MVP, you create standards for yourself. He didn't meet the standards. It happens, man. But there's also stories of people bouncing back and you yep. know returning to form, which is what Tyler and I are predicting. Yeah, Yelich returns the form. This Brewers team instantly goes from like. Okay, the Brewers are pretty good. They could probably push the Dodgers to, okay, this team could win the World Series. That's all I'm okay. going to say. Um, but, yeah, Christian Yelich. I mean, obviously he's still not the best defender. He's capable. But he's in the lineup to bat, and we're yep. going to need him to hit some home runs. We're going to need him to drive some people in, and that's all, that's all you know. I mean, if
2: if he's not dealing with a lingering back injury like the entire season and he's in and out of the lineup constantly. Yeah. I, th- I think that would go a long way in creating some consistency for him. Um, but the next guy that I'm looking at is, is Lorenzo Kane. Um He's in the last yeah. year of his contract. He said he might hang it up after this year. He's going to, I mean, kind of wait and see. He's in the last year of his deal, but he's still a good defender. He's yeah. still a gold glove level defender. Yeah. And if he's in the lineup, you feel pretty good about your defense in center field.
3: Yeah, you do. And that's all I have written down too is, um, every once in a while he'll give you a home run uh, he'll get on base and he's mm-hmm. still got he's still got decent speed when he gets on the base pads but he is a great defender in center field he still covers a ton of ground he still runs into the wall and makes those crazy catches he still robs home runs that's what Lorenzo Kane does and he's also a guy that you know is always smiling always happy so he has a positive attitude on life which is something that you know uh, we're trying to enforce into the real world from our show as well so Lorenzo Kane is definitely always welcome on our show. He's one of our favorites.
2: Yes, for sure. Um, it'll be interesting to see how we do with that when we get to the Badgers, but we have a little bit of more. To, a couple more guys to talk about. With the Brewers. We're going
3: to smile through pain. Uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> so There's basically three more guys that we're looking to talk about. And it's going to be Hunter Renfro, Tyrone Taylor, and Andrew McCutcheon. Um, basically, Hunter Renfro is the Obstale Garcia replacement. Um, mm-hmm. Traded him for... Jackie Bradley Jr. back to the Red Sox. Got Hunter Renfro returned. He hit thirty-one home runs last year for Boston, and their weird left field. I mean, he's a left-handed hitter, so it's not gonna matter as much. But he's coming in. He's basically gonna be a starting right fielder. He's replacing basically all of the batting production we lost by um, Avi Garcia signing elsewhere. So mm-hmm. um, that's basically what I am looking at with Hunter Renfro. If you follow the Wisco Fanatics page, you see it. I think it was last week, sometime listening to what Hunter Renfro had to say about his defense and it was it, the, the quote just struck me perfectly that made me laugh super hard but he said he's going out there balls out to do whatever it takes to get the pitcher out of the inning it's <laughs> it's a really weird quote but it was funny so we had to share it on the page so that was fun to yeah, funny to see and he made it it's, work it's the, the light-hearted nature of a lot of these guys I don't know uh, we could share it on the page if people want to see it more, if they don't follow the brewers and their social media, um, just the guys going through creating all their promos and all their, mm-hmm. you know, their, their intros that show up on the video board and stuff like that, when we're coming up to bat, but like guys talking about the tape on the ground and they're laughing at each other and they're bumping into each other. And um, just the lighthearted nature of a lot of these guys it makes it seem like they'd actually be genuinely fun people to be around.
3: Yeah, like that's why you know I said before you could tell that they just love being around each other. You know, it's not like they're being forced because they're on the same team. They just actually enjoy each other's company. Hunter Renfro, man, I mean, 31 homers. You said 96 RBIs. That was 30th in MLB. So we're getting a guy that's a run producer. Um, and uh, Miller Park, I'm still gonna call it Miller Park, um, is uh, a run producing ballpark in a lot of ways. You can hit a lot of home runs there. Yep. I'm expecting to see a lot of upper deckers from him. Um, but, yeah, he's he's going to be a really, really nice addition. Um, on top of that, did you write down McCutcheon's stats? I did. Um, yeah, McCutcheon's going to be awesome too, man. That was a great signing for us. He's going to be a great bat in this lineup. Um, I wrote down their combined stats because that's what we're adding to this team. Mm-hmm. And it's 58 home runs, 176 RBIs, and I averaged their average out, and it's about 240. So if they hit two forty, give us some home runs, some run production, that's all we're asking for.
2: <clears throat> so I'm looking at with Andrew McCutcheon, he's probably gonna play more DH than Outfield. Mm-hmm. But the reason that the Brewers brought in Andrew McCutcheon, you got the twenty-seven home runs. But now listen to this against what he does against left-handed pitching. So this is against left-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. 15 of his 20 home 27 home runs are against left handed pitching. He only had about half of the at bats against lefties than he did against righties, and he hit more home runs against lefties in about half the at-bats. <clears throat> against left handed pitching, Andrew McCutcheon, two ninety-three average. Okay. And a one twenty seven OPS. That's okay. on base plus slugging. Okay. Andrew McCutcheon loves left-handed pitching. He eats it for breakfast. Okay, so I like that, that. That when you see Brewers going up against a left-handed starter, expect Andrew McCutcheon to be the DH that day.
3: Yep, hundred percent. I mean, he's gonna like you said, he's gonna be DH a lot. So yeah, it, it's gonna be uh, mm-hmm. it's gonna be a good year in Milwaukee. I think another another lot of wins this year.
2: Yeah, and they you know while they may not have loaded up on offense, but swapping out you know Jackie Bradley Jr slash Avi Garcia for Hunter Renfro and Andrew McCutcheon, and then more playing time for Tyrone Taylor. Tyrone Taylor is going to be basically the primary backup to all the positions. Mm -hmm. And we know the Brewers last year dealt with a lot of injuries in their outfield. Lorenzo Cain missed a ton of games. Christian Yelich missed a handful of games. And, you know, Jackie Bradley Jr., despite his hitting woes, played basically every single day because he was a good defender and because he was healthy. So if Tyrone Taylor stays healthy, he's going to get a lot of playing time. Um, he hit 12 home runs in 93 games last year. Um, Tyrone Taylor kind of owns Cardinals pitching, so I mean he's got that going for him so for that'll us. definitely be appreciated right. Um, and then you know we, we passed over this with McCutcheon, but he's another great clubhouse guy. Yeah we yep, shared yeah. the we shared the video when we were talking about um, <clears throat> Andrew McCutcheon switching. He was originally gonna be number five. He was able to switch back to number 24, which is the number that he wanted for Ken Griffey Jr. And actually, while he was being interviewed about that, one of the other reporters actually called Ken Griffey Jr. and, and Andrew McCutcheon got to talk to him. And it's like mm. you can see that, you know, even though Andrew McCutcheon is, a, is an MVP and he's been an all-star like four times, I think, yeah. he still gets like, oh, my God, I'm talking to Ken Griffey Jr. Like, it's, it's just cool to see. So um, we love seeing those videos and, you know, seeing the guys as – As people, in addition to being professional athletes,
3: yeah, that's that's probably the best part about it. Is you get to see him actually show emotion, he doesn't have to be stone cold while he's facing a a 3 2 pitch in the bottom of the ninth, you know, like he doesn't have to have that poker face on. So that's stuff that I like to get to see real life emotions.
2: All right, so in addition to Avi Garcia, who we did mention, the other key departures is is no Manny Pena this year, which is kind of a bummer, yeah, Um, power, (laughs) yeah. Eduardo Escobar is now with the Mets, and Daniel Vogelbach, I believe, signed with the Pirates. Daniel Vogelbach signed with the Pirates. So those are really the four main departures. Um, In the bullpen, Hunter Strickland signed with the Cincinnati Reds. I was kind of hoping the Brewers would maybe take a look at bringing him back, but uh, he signed with the Cincinnati Reds, so um, that means that he's bound to be traded at some point. Yeah. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, Is there anything else you want to say before we make a record prediction?
3: No, man. Uh, like I said before, it's going to be a lot of wins. It's going to be a good <clears throat> summer in Milwaukee. A lot hopefully of great pitching gonna be making, fun to watch. The Bucks are going to make another deep run, and we're going to watch the Brewers whoop up on the Cubs, the Pirates, the Reds, hopefully the Cardinals again, and we're going to have some big-time matchups with the Dodgers and the Giants and the Mets, and it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be a good summer.
2: All right, hit me with your record prediction.
3: All right, so like I said, my first record prediction was already written. It was 93-69. and and then Boxborough came back and I gave that three more wins so I went right. 96 and 66 for the Brewers.
2: All right. We're pretty close. I went 95 and 67. Oh uh, god, we're so close all the time. <laughs> <sighs> um that is that's that's pretty good. That's good stuff. Um I do I do think they'll finish first in the Central. I think the yep. Cardinals are going to be right behind them. Probably mm-hmm. something like like 92 90 90 to 92 wins. For the Cardinals. I mean, it's going to be, September is going to be one of those things, but the way that the Brewers have been with Craig Council in September is like legendary stuff, like how good the Brewers have been in September I with agree. Craig Council. So um, the Cardinals did have a crazy hot September last year. So um, if they can do that again, and the Brewers have Craig Council September, they call it craig Timber. It'll be really interesting and probably potentially down to the last week of games to to see who wins the NL Central.
3: <sighs> Cardinals. They're always good. The Cardinals are always good, man. They're
2: the Cardinals are what the Yankees wish they could be when it comes to trades, and they're like, just trade us your best player. We'll give you like five guys you've never heard of. <laughs> like and then the you'll fact, never hear of again. <laughs> the fact that they were to they were able to trade for Nolan Arenado after having just traded for Paul Goldschmidt, like that that grinds my gears yeah
3: and those guys are just monsters dude they know how to hit the damn cover off the ball i'll tell you that. yeah
2: and then you know they're they're solid at drafting and they always have good pitching so whatever just cardinals can go away
3: i agree all (laughs) right
2: well that's our brewers primer if you have anything else to say about the brewers
3: no i'm good man let's uh as you say, let's rip this freaking Band-Aid off. Man. That is
2: that is the exact quote that I was thinking of, as, was ripping off the Band-Aid. I All right. Understand. I'm going to slam the notebook down. We're going to do this. So we got to – I don't want to tell people what to do. I would. My goal would be to inspire you to think differently about the way that you approach the way that you cheer for your team's. Now, stuff sucks once in a while. Like the Iowa State game, as a Badgers fan, it really sucked. But, Uh-oh. but stop, stop doing the the fire Greg guard. This always happens. Johnny Davis is never going to make it in the NBA. Um, these guys wouldn't be starters on any other team. Like, you you you're a fan of this team, and you're saying stuff like that. Yeah. Like like I understand that this game was rough to watch. It was it was hard to watch. Watching a team make 2 out of 22 three-pointers and finish with more turnovers than field goals, it sucks. I get it does. that. It does the Badgers lost this game by 5 points? Their their defense. Their defense was awesome. This team played awesome defense. And you can contribute that to the individual players if you want. Because the players are good defenders. But that, that gives me confidence that Greg Gard has a good defensive philosophy in mind. And he has a good culture and a good program that promotes guys wanting to play good defense. Mm-hmm. And the other big takeaway that I had from this game was the Badgers did really well at the free throw line. True. So those were my two big takeaways. You know, Even though it was their worst offensive game of the year, they only lost by five points. So, all right. what are you thinking about this game?
3: At the end of the day, what happened in this game was Iowa State made the shots. They made the big jumpers. They made the fadeaway mid-rangers when they needed to. The Badgers did not. Honestly, when they lost Chucky Hepburn, we lost ball handling. We lost floor spacing. And, ball security. Yeah, and that really, we lost Brad Davidson coming off screens which changed our entire offense. Um, and it really made us kind of one-dimensional. It was like, all right, they're going to give it to Johnny Davis. And then if he doesn't score, they're going to give it back to Brad Davison. and he's going to try to make a turnaround fadeaway jumper from the free throw line elbow. And it was like – it was some of the ugliest offense I've seen in a long time. I mean, for a team that we were raving about playing a faster pace and scoring more and getting more possessions to score 49 points, to be held by 49 points by an 11 seed – Really, really hurts. And some of the stuff I was watching after the game, I mean, Johnny Davis was 0 of 7 from 3. Um, 2 of 22 overall. You already mentioned that. Um, His brother, Jordan Davis, uh, when the game was in the balance, um, he got a couple wide open and off some really nice Johnny Davis passes too, little extra passes. It was like. He had some really nice wide open shots, and it was like if he could have made a couple of those, that could have changed things, and we could be looking forward to a game against a 10 seed Miami. But the one that he made was the one where he grabbed and he turned around and looked like he was on the playground, and I was like,
2: I was like, this guy, that's the one you make? Like, I wanted to just turn the TV off after that. He didn't bank it in, it didn't like rattle around the ring. Straight cash. Straight cash. Absolute perfect swish. So, Brad in the comments said Tyler Wall yeah. getting into early foul trouble, trouble hurt. Um, Tyler Wall had a lot of the team's turnovers too, unfortunately, just because mm. Iowa State packed the paint so yeah. hard. And losing Chucky Hepburn made it easier for them. I put this in my notes that I think that Chucky Hepburn being in the game, Jacoby Neath, and and you mentioned Jordan Davis having open threes, I think Chucky Hepburn knocked some of those down.
3: Yeah, Definitely. I agree with that.
2: And then I mentioned already more turnovers than field goals. Chucky's in the game running your offense. Chucky is a very good player for ball security. He's a really good point guard that way that he doesn't turn the ball over. So I think that that 17 turnover number comes down if Chucky Hepburn plays the second half.
3: Man, that was. Uh, this is what it feels like to be a fan. You know, this is this is the feelings you get, and this is what I was talking about after that Packer game, like. This is what it is, man. You're gonna you're gonna have to deal with losses. You're gonna have to take them with the wins. I mean, we enjoyed the season. They still had a great season. Nobody expected mm-hmm. them to win the Big Ten. Nobody expected them to win that Maui Invitational. I mean, overall, if you look at where we were projected to go, the season is still a win. But I don't work that way. To me, um, you look at you're an 11 seed and what we could have played against. This team was bound to be in the Elite Eight. I mean, that's just what it felt like. So, you know, it is what it is. But now we just move on, and now we got players moving on too. So when we get into our Brewers' primer for the next season, it's going to be really interesting to see some of the moves and the offseason stuff that happens. Johnny Davis is going to the NBA. I'm sorry. It yep. is what it is. Yep. He's still in the top five big board projections. And when you're that high, you take the money. You, yeah, you, you go. not yeah. so,
2: he's not his – draft, his draft prospect, you know, his draft capital, whatever, it's yeah. not going to get any higher than it is now.
3: No. And – You know, on top of that, Brad Davison gave us five good years. So I want to thank Brad Davison. Want to thank Johnny Davis? I mean, they gave us some memories, man.
2: I want to throw out a bold prediction for Brad Davison. I want to throw out a a bold prediction that Brad Davison is on the Badgers coaching staff next year.
3: Ooh, next year? I think he'll take a year off. I think he'll take a year off. Get his mind right. He's gonna get married. Maybe yep. take that honeymoon year. The next year, though, the year after that. So, that, you're, so
2: you're feeling 2023, 2024 yes. season.
3: That's uh, when I'm thinking Brad Davison makes his. Brad Davison returns to Madison this time on the bench.
2: Yeah, I just already <laughs> see. I don't. You think he'll play he, overseas? I don't think he's gonna play overseas. He's been pretty pretty outright about wanting to get into coaching.
3: Yeah, he's talked about that. I remember. I, I and Greg stuff.
2: Gard has talked about him being basically a coach on the floor. I think it... Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't say it's outside the realm of a possibility that Brad Davison continues a playing career somewhere, but I think he's really looking to get into coaching sooner than later.
3: I agree. I agree.
2: Alright. Now, what I said about this game, it's... they are just going to be beating a dead horse here by mentioning that the Badgers had a bad offensive game. Yeah. What I said about this was that great teams can overcome bad offensive games and still win. And to me, unfortunately, the Badgers are just a good team. And yeah. you know, it's it wasn't a secret that the Badgers they did not have a very deep bench. I mean, having Lauren Bowman could have potentially helped this team. He's still dealing with illness stuff. Um yeah so that, you know, that is what it is. Warren Bowman was kind of a guy that I was hoping could carry some of that three point shooting load for the Badgers off the bench. But, mm-hmm. um, it got to the point where basically Chris vote, another guy that's going to be leaving the program. He's a senior too. Um, basically became the Badgers best bench player throughout the last four games of the season. And, you know, he, he did his best to contribute here. I mean, he hit the Badgers like only two points for like seven and a half minutes in the second half. But, um, you know, it is it is what it is. I mean, Isaac Lindsay got playing time. The guy that we ba- like hadn't even talked about since we did the primer for the Badgers. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's, I hate saying it is what it is, but that's how it is for the Badgers. But the thing is, next year, Chucky Hepburn is going to be back. Tyler oh. Wall is going to be back. He was just a junior this year. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Crowell is going to be back. I mean, we're returning three out of five starters. Last year, we uh, couldn't say the same.
3: I'm really hoping that Crawl bulks up or f- finds I, confidence behind the arc. He's got to do one of the two.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, the fact that he was he gets he gets pushed around because he's he's thinner. So you know, the Kofi Coburns of the Big Ten were able to push him around. Zach Eady, for example, was able to push him around, and she then can't. you know he he got to a point where he wasn't making shots and then he wasn't even looking to score anymore. Uh, It happened late in this game where he got a a catch on the block and he didn't turn, look at the basket. He turned and looked to pass back out to the perimeter. So Crowell's got some work to do. He's going to be, I would say in my opinion, he's going to have the most to prove next season.
3: He's going to have to have the most growth and he's going to be a very important player for us. Yep, we're gonna be doing a lot of one and five pick and roll, pick and pops next year. So, yes, um, we're gonna look forward to that. It's gonna be interesting.
2: I look forward to to more Chucky Hepburn next season. Um, he like we we predicted that he was gonna be the starter day one. Um, we ended up being right about that, but I don't think we we thought that he would become as crucial of a player as he became over the course of the season.
3: No, his growth was huge. And maybe over the summer he'll add a couple more tricks to his bag and maybe he can make an all-Big Ten team next year. We don't know. Who knows? Nobody saw Johnny Davis being one of the four finalists for the the player of the year, you know? It's crazy.
2: (laughs) I was excited for Johnny Davis this season. Like last season ended and, you know, he was averaging his like seven and a half points. And it's like, oh, Johnny Davis is going to get the keys to the car next year. Mm -hmm. That's – Chucky Hepburn is the guy next year. Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to be Chucky e. Hepburn, Tyler Wall, and Steven Crowell, but, um, Chucky e. Hepburn's going to get the keys to the car next year.
3: It's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be a weird um, year in Madison.
2: Yeah, it'll be, we'll see what happens as far as recruiting and transfers and stuff are concerned. Um, I did see, uh, Matthew Moore is one of the guys that you liked when we did our primer. He did transfer out, um, basically wanting to be back closer to home. So it does sound like he's transferring to South Dakota um he was just homesick
3: is what they said yeah
2: um see brad said i think wall is the guy since he needs to become more than a role player that has more to prove i think tyler wall he's it's pretty much known what he's gonna do i mean if tyler wall could improve his three-point shooting next season that would be that would be a big thing even a mid-range even a mid-range
3: jesus Christ! i mean
2: yeah if he could go like a if he could build his game somewhere to like ej liddell We're like, you know, he can back you down in the post, but like if he can develop like even just a post fade, like, I mean, I saw people questioning, like, does Tyler Wall even look at the hoop when he's backing down? It's like he probably looks and he probably looks once and then he's getting to his spot. And once he knows by looking at the floor where he is, where the basket is, Mm -hmm. like Tyler Wall is a really good back to the basket offensive player. He just needs to be within eight feet to really be a threat. Nah. So if if Tyler Wall can expand his range, whether it be three point or a mid range or even a post fade, um, I do think that would go a long way for Tyler Wall's development. But as far as as needing to improve and having things to prove, um, I I would really go with Stephen Crowell, especially um, as as well as he was playing like the middle chunk of the season. Um, where it's like, you know, we're talking about Crowell always making timely threes and he's the starting center. And then it got to postseason play and it was turnovers and early foul trouble for Crowell. So, you know, he's going to have the opportunity at the center position next year. He's going to be the only center on the roster. So in my mind, it's it's Crowell that's got more to prove than Tyler Crowell.
3: Crowell Mm -hmm. has to improve as a rim protector as well on defense. And something that I think, you know, Wall doesn't have to get a jump shot. It'd be nice if he had a little mid range. But even if he can improve his ability to dribble drive to the rim and not just have to back down everybody, if he can improve just being able to be like, okay, I'm gonna give you a jab (laughs) step, I'm gonna take one dribble and get a layup. If he can improve that way as well, that will create more offense for him. He's a good free throw shooter, so if he could take you off the dribble a little bit, one two dribbles, make a move, pump fake, you know, something like that. Same thing with Crowell, man. I mean if he can just give you a pump fake and one dribble and do a pull-up from a mid-range, you know, that's something that can be huge for us. So there's potential. The Badgers are always there. They're always hanging around. They're always competing. They're always making the the big dance. So, you know, we'll see what happens.
2: And let's, let's just put this to bed. The Badgers have a good coach. Greg Card is a good coach. Um, You know, it's, He's got big shoes to fill coming from Bo Ryan, but Bo Ryan mm-hmm. put him here. He was an assistant for Bo Ryan for a long time. So Greg Gard is a good coach. Um, I did see some people come around on him when he got the Coach of the Year Award for the Big Ten, but it's it's crazy to see how fast people turn on him when the Badgers lose a game. Like, Greg Gard's not shooting the threes for the players, guys.
3: Just look at Packers fans. Rogers Rogers, Rogers, Rogers. He loses a playoff game.
2: Oh, let's get rid of this guy. Oh my god, it happens with it happens with every team too. I mean, you it's know, ridiculous. you look at the you look at the Bucs The box lose lose the first two of of the Brooklyn series, and it's like okay, the Bucks are gonna you know not go anywhere. It looks like the Nets are gonna sweep the Bucks. Whatever, we need to fire Budenholzer and trade Middleton and all that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or or the brewers, like the brewers are never gonna win, you know, the brewers window has passed. I saw somebody say that the other day, that the brewer's window is closed already after this season because they're not gonna be able to afford to keep guys. Like a bunch of their pitchers are still arbitration eligible. Like Corbin Burns is on the books for like five point six million this year, like Brandon Woodruff's making like six point five, haters making eleven. It's like these guys are still in arbitration. Nobody on the brewers is making thirty five million dollars. Mm-hmm. So you know the Brewers' window is open. The Bucks' window is open. The Badgers, you know, the Big Ten is tough as far as the regular season is concerned. I don't know what the deal is with the Big Ten and the in the Big Dance, but
3: they just beat the shit out of each other all year, man. That's yeah, <laughs> I, tired. I <laughs> beat the shit out of each uh, other all year, man. Even Nebraska <laughs> was starting to beat people at the end of the year, That's including true. us, you know. So Big Ten is tough, man. That's what the AFC West is going to be like
2: in football. That's true. They're all going to so, beat the hell out of each other. So. You know, it's not it's not fire sale on the Badgers. It's not. You know, the Badgers are only going to win mm-hmm. 15 games next year because guys are graduating. Like Greg Gard, he went and got some transfer guys this year. He, he's going to understand the process a little better. He'll probably bring in more transfers next year. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna need to replace two starters next year. So how he goes about doing that, we don't know yet. And we'll we'll definitely do a Badgers primer uh, when that season comes around, but you know this again this game sucked but it's not the end of the world it's not the end of badger basketball and you know it's not it's not to the point that we need to fire a coach or or go straight to bashing players like that's not what we want people to think or how we want people to think again i'm not going to tell you what to do but that's that's one of the things that we want to do with this show is is be able to to take away positive things and, you know, dwell a little less on the negativity.
3: I mean, you'll probably feel better day to day if you don't dwell on negativity. Just
2: saying. Yeah. So, you know, things suck once in a while, but come hang out with us and we'll talk about it. <laughs> well. will <help you. laughs> um, Did you want to say anything about the Colgate game specifically?
3: Uh, I mean, Colgate came to play Badgers were kind of struggling in the first half. It was tied 28-28. Um, they ended up pulling pulling away late. Johnny Davis played pretty well in that game, uh, especially late. And I don't have any anything really special to say. I mean, sucks. We lost in the round of 32. How do you think Kentucky feels? They lost the first day.
2: <laughs> That's true. Uh, Kentucky lost to a 15 seed. And, yeah. you know, when that first happened, I'm like, cool, maybe Johnny Davis can go on a run and strengthen his player of the year, you know candidacy and 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 then the badgers lost on sunday but yeah it is what it is i mean it'll be it'll be a a university of opportunity next year as far as as the team goes i mean the team isn't going to have a clear-cut leader like it had this season coming in with brad davison and johnny davis Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. um we'll see what they can do yep all right do you have anything else you want to say about the badgers no,
3: I'm mad at you, so I don't want to see you until fall.
2: I wanna see the Badgers this summer, but that's football.
3: Oh yeah, I like I like, I wanna I'm talking Badger basketball. I'm mad at you, so <laughs> I don't wanna see you till fall.
2: All right. Well, let's we we put the Badgers in there first so we could purposely end on a higher note with the Bucks. So let's start talking about the Bucks. Let's start with the Bucks and the Kings. Um that game. Bucks were getting some some points from everybody in the beginning of the game. Giving up some second chance points, which is annoying because I, I don't like it when they do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Middleton's super hot in the first half. In the middle of the second quarter, the Bucks went on a 13-2 run. Middleton scored nine of them, had 17 points in the first half. Giannis had 14 in the first half. Um, but this game made me think the Bucks still had some work to do on the pick and roll. That's something that the Badgers figured out in the second half of the game against Iowa State. They just... Couldn't put the ball in the basket on the other end. But um, lots of back and forth in the third quarter. And then Giannis basically took over the third quarter. The Kings took the lead at 6 minutes and 50 seconds. And then again at 4 minutes, 10 seconds. And 3 minutes, 50 seconds. So the Kings took a bunch of leads here. Drew Holiday. I mean, we're going to talk about Drew Holiday a whole bunch. (laughs)
4: Um,
2: Chris Middleton hit a deep three-pointer. With two minutes, ten seconds, game was tied at minute forty-seven seconds, and the Kings did not score again. Bucks finished the game on a nine-zero run, a fifteen-to-three run total. Um, I don't know if you want to say anything about the game specifically, because there are some fun things to total up about this game.
3: Um. Well, first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to be a nice guy and I'm going to give credit to two players in the Kings. Um... Steven Chenzo played really well, he had nineteen points against uh his former team obviously. And then Davion Mitchell, a uh, rookie yeah. from Baylor, Badgers fans we know about him, he ended our season last year. Um, he's a really good player. He's tough. He's gonna end up being a pretty good player for the Kings over there. and The Kings, man. I mean, Brad said it in the comments last week. He said that the Kings are a different team since that trade, and I, I feel it. I I see the the mental toughness changing a little bit. They're kind of changing the environment around that team. Is not such a loser team. Yeah. Um, they feel like in a couple of years, you know, if they put, you know, they put the right blocks in place, they could be competitive. They won't. They won't, here. They won't be the laughing that? stock. They won't be the laughing stock
2: the The Kings now remind me of what the Grizzlies were two years ago.
3: I agree with that. I'm with that. I mean they they're putting the right pieces in place yeah. so they're they get up and down they like to run. they got athletes over there and when you're bad for so long,
2: you should be good at some point right I mean you know the Lions just stay bad, but that's you know yeah. that is what it is.
3: Yeah um I mean Chris Middleton seven to ten from three that's insane. that's awesome. the guy the guy was on fire literally um they have 47 rebounds to so the kings 39 so that's nice to see i i i always look at rebounding and three-point shooting for some reason that's just like big things for me i mean because three point shooting is so aggressive or so important and you got to be aggressive on the boards and you gotta show that you're the more physical team you can't get pushed around that's one thing that the bucks don't do uh one thing i wanted to really stress today is i feel like the brooke lopez and Giannis added a Kumbo duo down low on defense I mean, those guys just understand where each other is going to be, and I really feel like it's underrated, man. I'm watching them in that Bulls game yesterday, and they just understand where, okay, Brooks going to be right there. Okay, Giannis is like, yeah, I could be over here on this side, and Brooks over there. Oh, so Giannis is probably behind me over here. It's just like, they just know, and I just really feel like it's underrated, man. That duo down low is just amazing, but Giannis had 36 and 10. He had a couple really nice jump shots in this game, too. It was like... This man is becoming a freaking beast, dude. He's a freaking monster. Like, seriously. He's doing fadeaway mid-rangers in the paint. He's, like, Why well, do you stop him, though? Just,
2: he scored the last 12 points for the Bucks in the third quarter.
3: Hey, right, James, we always beat the Bulls, okay? And we're always going to continue beating the Bulls. And if we meet in the playoffs, God forbid – I'll tell you what, Griff is going to have a lot of practices during those games. That's all I know. You can tell him I said that, too, because I don't care. But anyways, yes, Giannis, Giannis was the man in this game at the end of the game, the whole game. He always is, you know? That's um, true. But I, I got nothing else. It was a good game. Kings competed, man.
2: So the Bucks, the Bucks big three, Giannis, Middleton, and Holiday combined for 89 points and 22 rebounds. Yeah, that's insane. That is huge. <laughs> Drew Holiday was the third best player in this game. He had 21 points, 4 rebounds, and 3 assists. Chris Middleton, in addition to being seven for 10 from the three point line, 32 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. That's a Giannis stat line. <laughs>
3: he had eight assists and seven threes.
2: <laughs> We're gonna
3: win a lot of games if he does that.
2: Holy hell. Um 13 turnovers, that's that's okay. They gave up twenty two points off of those thirteen turnovers. So for me, You know, Jake mentioned that he looks at rebounds and three-point shooting. I look at missed free throws, second-chance points, and points off turnovers. Those are my fundamental failures. That's what I call that. I haven't found a good way to quantify what's good, what's bad, what should Mm -hmm. dictate if you win or lose yet. But, you know, you're spotting teams' points by not doing things that you should do fundamentally. So Mm -hmm. for this game, Bucks missed free throws, second-chance points, and points off turnovers. Nine missed free throws, seventeen second chance points, and twenty-two points off turnovers. That's forty-one points that the Bucks spotted the case. What? Um. Yep. There it is. I actually just got the the notification as well. The New York City is lifting the mandate. So bring it. Bring it. I that's, fucking that's want,
4: want it. To I want the smoke. <laughs> you want to be teams when
3: they're at their best. No excuses. That's what you want. This is exactly the same reaction I had when Tom Brady came back. I fucking love it. I do not run from none of this shit, and this is exactly how Giannis
2: feels. Giannis does not I run gar- from yes, shit. I guarantee you, that is exactly how. Let's he go feels. now. I want the Nets. Now because, I want them because you. I mean, you can do this with any team. You can do that uh, if go. this, this, and this hadn't happened, or if this player wasn't injured, Let's or go. if this wouldn't have happened. You could do that with any team, but. The Bucs had that. A lot of people are like, oh, they're the worst title winner since whoa, whoa, whatever. Like, still won the title. Still oh, got thanks. the pole and the pennant. It happened. I'm uh, still they're giving going my hat. They're giving, <laughs> a, they're giving away replica rings tomorrow. If you want to go be one of the first 10,000, you get a replica ring tomorrow. Um, but anyways, back to the Bucks kings game. 18 for 35 on threes. 51.4% on threes. That'll do. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. And 52.8% on field goals. So, you know, That's if I can figure crazy. out a way to to measure my fundamental failures thing, I can uh, figure out a better way to quantify that. But That's moving wild. on to the Bucks and Timberwolves game, we said it last week when we kind of mentioned what's coming up next for the Bucks that this is not the Timberwolves of yesteryear. No. This Timberwolves team has turned a corner. They yes. are a playoff team. Them and the Cavaliers are on very similar trajectories. So we see the Cavaliers a little bit more often because they're in the Eastern Conference and they're in the Bucks division. Yep, yep. They're very similar cases. They're teams with a handful of young guys that are turning a corner. I personally don't think the Timberwolves are ready to contend yet, but they're going to get some playoffs experience this year. Mm-hmm. Carl Anthony Towns is a monster. Anthony Edwards is a solid player. Jared Vanderbilt is a solid player. D'Angelo Russell is a solid player. So – even though I was super crazy sick during this game on Wednesday night, um, I caught as much as I could of it, and I still have some takeaways, but I will let Jake talk first about the Bucks-Timberwolves game. Um,
3: Yeah, so I watched this game, and it just, you know, there was no Giannis in this game, first yep. of all. Um, Chris Middleton didn't have his best game. It is what it is, but I was very encouraged to see how good? I mean, Pat, his first game back, he made yeah. five threes. yeah his five. Yeah. Goal. So I'm trying to take the positives out of this game. Brooke Lopez looked awesome. He looked like he was moving good. He was dunking the ball. He was hitting three. Oh, no, he didn't hit a three, but he was he was dominating down low. He was playing that good paint defense, and he got a couple easy dunks, a couple layups. But the the Timberwolves just shot the hell out of the ball, man. 22 threes they made. I mean, I know the Bucks made 19, but we shot yep. 52 of those some of bitches, man. Yeah. I'm like, holy Jesus! What happened to basketball? Fifty-two three-point attempts, and then they shot forty-seven. But they were on fire for a little while. They were—it literally felt like when they shot it, it was going in. I'm not lying. That's what it felt like with them. Um, but we won the rebounding battle. They had thirty assists as a team, which is—that's cr- crazy, crazy benchmark. But like I said, they were on fire from three. Uh, we only shot seventeen free throws. You know, if Giannis plays, we're gonna shoot twenty-seven free throws because he's gonna to go, to, go and shoot ten of them himself. Right. He would have dictated the entire pace of the game by himself.
2: But on both ends of the floor, too. Yeah,
3: I mean, it just is what it is. It's one of those games, the throwaway game. Uh, the Timberwolves are on fire. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns was pulling up from thirty and cashing it. And I was like, he's special. And he was doing Euro step layups. Like, yeah, he's a good player, man. He's really, Carl- really good.
2: Carl Anthony Towns is about to get himself a supermax contract, Oh, so yeah. so that's oh, going to yeah. happen. Um, had the weird pushing match that came into this because Patrick Beverly felt the need to come and push Serge Ibaka, which is <laughs> and not I still don't... not a great career decision if you if Pat Beverly has ever made one. Pushing oh, Serge Ibaka is probably not it. No, he pushed Bobby. He pushed Bobby. He pushed Serge. He ran up and pushed Serge while Serge was talking with. Oh yeah, you're right. Uh, and Torian, right. Torian Prince was it? You're
3: right. You're right. And then I don't understand why George Hill got kicked out. Like that still doesn't
2: make sense. Because he retaliated. I understand, but he's just sticking up for his guy who got blindsided. He, That's why I still, It's it. the retaliation of it that it's not. Yeah, because it could have
3: escalated, and right. I understand that point. But yeah. still in my mind, it's like George Hill isn't that kind of guy. You got to take, you know, his mindset into consideration yeah. too, I guess. But
2: can't really do that with every one of them. So it right. is what it is. Um. I still want to see less dribbling. On um, the Bucks, seem to let their pockets get picked a lot by just dribbling so much. Um, I do feel that besides Serge Ibaka and Bobby Portis, this wasn't a bad game for the Bucks offensively. Um, yeah. Looking at Serge Ibaka and Bobby Portis, they combined for eight points on three of twenty-one shooting and one for ten from the three-point line.
3: Yeah, Bobby's in a funk right now. I mean, he got going a little bit last night, but yeah. he's got to he's got to pick it up, man. We're gonna need him again. Maybe give yep. him a rest day coming up here.
2: Yeah. So looking at that, like, again, we mentioned this is not the old Timberwolves team. They're nipping on the heels of Denver right now.
3: Yeah. And Denver, if they were fully healthy, whoo, baby.
2: Yeah. They're not getting Jamal Murray back, I guess. They're, yeah, they're saying that Jamal Murray is not close, but they should get Michael Porter Jr. back. So that'll be some help for Jokic. That'll
3: but. be some floor spacing, some <clears throat> ball handling.
2: He's yep. long. Yep. Um, and then the other thing that I had from this was watching Mike Budenholzer's post-game press conference after this was that Brooke Lopez met his next uh, minutes goal for 20 minutes a game. So that we can transition into the Bulls game and Brooke Lopez is back in the starting lineup. Now this mm-hmm. is what I wanted to see because you, you touched on this already and I'm glad you did, that Bobby Portis is kind of struggling. I've been looking forward to Brooke Lopez getting back into the starting lineup so Bobby Portis can go against second unit defenses and he's yep. not going to see other teams' best uh, power forward defenders. He's going to see their second best power forward defender. Or we can get back to Bobby Portis lighting up second units and having 18 points and nine rebounds every game.
3: Yeah, I mean, he went he went at Vooch a couple times last night and it was like, please, continue to put Vucevic on Bobby Portis. <laughs> That'll end great for you, Chicago. <laughs> Man, um, I'm just going to start uh, talking about this game. It nope. was Man, Giannis, I know you're
2: excited for this. I know you're excited for the Bucks and the Bulls.
3: Oh, man. I love beating <laughs> the shit out of Chicago. It, is, it fills my heart with happiness. Um, Giannis, 25 17, five assists and three blocks.
2: In 29 a, minutes.
3: It's a freaking mouthful. Yeah, dude. Guy is a freaking monster. First thing I want to point out, first thing I should have pointed out, the Bucks shot 61%. You think the Bulls are winning any playoff games when the Bucks are shooting 60%? I want
2: to play no. the Bulls so badly in the full season. If I, I was know. any one of the top three seeds in the East, I would be wanting to play the Bulls. The Bulls yeah. are 0-16 against the top three seeds in each conference. They're horrible. You know, and 16 that's crazy. I shared that stat
3: where they showed their record against all the playoff teams in the East, right? And where yeah. they only had, like, two wins here, one here, in one here. And they're 2-1 against the Nets, and Bulls fans are like, we beat the Nets two times. Yeah, okay, I guarantee was one probably game. While,
2: this... Probably while Durant was injured.
3: Yeah, Durant and Irving were out, and one game when Irving wasn't playing at home. Like, okay, settle down. But I shared that in there, and a Bulls fan actually said, it's not that bad, to be honest. <laughs> I was like, bro, if that was the Bucks right now, I'd be real embarrassed. I'd be nervous. But, but the Bucs know how to beat good teams obviously yes so we're getting into this game and you know we see Brook Lopez scoring scoring 10 we got Wesley Matthews giving us 11 two and two and i brought Wesley Matthews up right away because they had a really really nice play in the middle of the third quarter where Brook Lopez gave a nice bounce pass down to Wesley Matthews and Wesley Matthews made the layup and i was like that should be flipped, but that worked out really, really well. I really liked that. And then Brooke had a really nice assist. Uh, his two assists were really awesome. He had a nice pass to Drew Holiday who finished. Dude, Holiday was literally like a layup line for that guy last night. Dude, but not Caruso's even.
2: But is such a good defender. Not, oh, me. my God. Did you see it was in the first quarter? Drew Holiday did a spin move into a step back for three and cashed it in Caruso's face. Dude. That was disgusting. Drew Holiday hit a spin move into a step back. Like who does that?
3: Drew Holiday. <laughs> <laughs> the seas oh are on fire right now. I want to say the Celtics are on fire. That'd be a really, really great playoff series. I would love to see
2: a four-five with the Bulls and Celtics. I think the Celtics oh the Celtics, Celtics that will series. wipe
3: them. The Celtics will wipe them, dude. I'm sorry. I would take. I'd take the Celtics and six. I just think the Celtics are on fire right now. I think I just think they're better. The Bulls just have no interior defense.
2: They have Ooh. zero. It's almost as if I've been saying this entire season that the Bulls have nobody to defend Giannis. Nobody Wait. has anybody to defend Giannis. <laughs> I mean that like I've mentioned there's a few guys you can throw yeah, at Giannis. Yeah, right, you can. You can. But the Bulls have nobody. I mean, I even thought that Tristan Thompson was a match for Giannis strength-wise, and then Giannis just, like, casually goes, puts one shoulder into him, backs him in under the basket, and dunks in his face.
3: Bro, I want to tell you about that. So, I came home from work, and I'm sitting on the couch. My stepson's staying up because he had spring break this week, yep. so he was able to stay up late with me, right? And we're watching the game, and Giannis passed the ball a couple times on fast break. He pulled, he pulled, He called that three-pointer that he made, by the way. When the ball went to Giannis, he was like, pull up. Giannis pulls up, cashes it. And then the dunk that he did that you're talking about, where he drives on him, gives him a shoulder and dunks it. He was like, Giannis, just go dunk on him. He's a midget. All of a sudden, Giannis goes and dunks on him. I'm like, you got to watch more games than me, man. You're calling all the plays. I love this. <laughs> but it was, I mean, I think it's time to bring it up, Tyler. The thing that we want to bring up, the Same. master of the behind the backboard shot is Drew Holland.
2: Dude, he's a weirdo.
3: How does he do that, dude? My first he thought did it on was purpose.
2: like, like the first time he did it the other day was like at the end of a shot clock. This yeah. time he went and he put himself there on purpose. And then at they the said him to the it. They're like, he. I bet he does. This. Oh my. You God.
3: know, I went from like, you know, if I was gonna play somebody on the Bucks and Horse, I definitely don't want it to be Chris Middleton. Now it's like, I still don't want to play Chris Middleton, but I definitely don't want to play Drew Holiday because I'm not making that shit. That's insane, dude. And they were showing – he did it like four or five times this year that they showed on, on TV yesterday, and I was like, holy shit, man, this guy is – and he did them all from the one baseline, and last night he went from the right baseline. Yeah, he did. Yep. That was crazy. Drew Holiday, 27 points, seven assists. Like I said, he was having a freaking layup line last night, man. It was easy for him. It was left hand, left hand, Drew, left hand.
2: Drew Holiday at 27 points seven assists, zero turnovers.
3: Yeah, that's the one zero thing about turnovers.
2: Yeah, Giannis racked up a lot of them, but Giannis had the ball in his hands a lot. He, he um, made
3: some really nice passes, but he needs to slow down a little bit. I think. Yeah.
2: Um. So the Bucks ended the first quarter on a thirteen nothing run. You actually called me because you were on your way home from work at the end of uh-huh. the first quarter, and you're like, "Dude, what happened?"
1: And yeah, like
2: I just... the, like you were like the Bucks. It was just twenty to twenty, and now it's 33-20. The Bucs ended the first quarter on a 13-0 run. They started the second quarter on a 9-0 run with Giannis yeah. on the bench. Balls yeah. just moving everywhere. They're playing good defense. The Bucs went on a, a bunch of runs in this game. And guys were hitting open shots when Giannis was getting extra attention. So it ended up being, from the end of the first quarter through the beginning of the second quarter, a 22 nothing run. Now, <laughs> they get into – yeah. They get into the, the late second quarter. The Bucs are playing really good defense. They didn't commit their first defensive foul until there was a minute and a half or a minute and five seconds left in the second quarter. I know. I saw that. It was crazy. <laughs> they held Chicago to 43 points in the first half. Getting into the second half, the third quarter, that's where the Bucks struggle. It's where they've struggled for most of the season. Uh, the Bulls cut the lead down to 10. The Bucs pushed it right back up. They cut it down to 11. They pushed it right back up. Cut it to 68-57. 11-point lead. The Bucks responded with a 17-3 to run to push the lead back up to 25 points.
3: That is what championship teams do. That is, End of story. It,
2: Absolutely. And Drew Holiday capped it off with the behind-the-backboard shot we were just talking about. Catapults him into the fourth quarter, and he starts the fourth quarter on another run. Ended up being a 7 nothing Drew Holiday run, and he had 12 <laughs> points in the fourth quarter. Drew
3: Holiday has he's really improved that shooting this year. His
2: his offense is it's he's an All NBA defender and now he's doing crazy things on offense. Yup,
3: I was gonna say that, bro. I have I said do your hand signals in here. His defense was right here and his offense was like right here. You're like he's pretty good on offense. He can control the pace. He can shoot yep. a little bit. He can he's starting him. to get real close now. He's starting to become a really big impact on both ends of the court. And Absolutely. you're a 40% shooter from behind the arc. You can't ask for any more than that. And he controls the ball most of the time. Controls the offense. Drew Holiday is a match made in heaven for the Wolves.
2: I going from Eric Bledsoe to Drew Holiday. It's it's been night and day. And it's what's it. Not the only move, but it's the move that elevated the Bucks to championship level.
3: I 100% um. agree. 100%.
2: And now the Bucks are getting healthy. So Pat Connaughton is back. He looks really good. He looks really good from the three-point line. Grayson Allen hit him with a pass like right here. He caught the ball high, kept it high, and just went straight into his shooting motion. Straight cash. Next time he's in the, the other corner, Drew Holiday tries to do a wraparound pass that gets tipped. Pat Connaughton picks it up off the floor, shoots it, and cashes it. So, <laughs> I mean, Pat Connaughton in two games that he's been back is 8 for 18 on threes, just shy of 50%.
3: I'll take that all day, baby.
2: All day. Uh, Giannis had his 40th double, double of the season. All of the (laughs) starters were in double figures. Plus Wesley Matthews, um, who started for Chris Middleton, didn't play in this game. Um, Honestly, Brad asking, we need to see more from George Hill. I think Javante Carter is taking his job. George Hill, in my opinion, is the, the third point guard on the roster, even though George Hill is one of the first guys off the bench. Um, that's he's kind of a veteran leader, but if I were putting the rotation together, I'd, I might give more of George Hill's minutes to Javante Carter. Um, I, I yeah. don't know the extent of his neck injury that he had, but um, you know, if he can get some more playing time and maybe know how to kind of deal with that, uh, maybe George Hill can give the bucks a little bit more. Um, I would like to see what they got from George Hill the first time around where he was the bucks like best three point shooter in the bubble and he was Yo, making like fifty nice. percent of his threes. That's I mean, that's the a, George Hill that I would like to have on the team.
3: He's still a trusted ball handler for one, and he's still a very good length. He's he's a good athlete and he's a good long defender. So mm-hmm. if you get into a situation where you need a good defender, he could still come in in a spot and do that. But I mean, Javante Carter has been more, way more than I expected. I was like, this guy plays defense, okay? Yep. He comes in, he's just
2: cashing threes. <laughs> He's 55 percent on threes since he joined the Bucs.
3: Making smart passes. I mean, Carter's doing really everything right now, in my opinion.
2: So with with George Hill, I feel more comfortable with George Hill than I did last year in the playoffs with Jeff Teague as the primary backup. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So I'm still I'm still good there. And now we throw Javante Carter in there, who I would feel comfortable throwing in for a few minutes here and there in the playoffs. Oh,
3: I want Carter to go on Irving so bad and him to get a stop for us to, like, win the series or something. Oh, I would absolutely abuse Net fans on the internet. <laughs> it would be a bad day to be a Net fan.
2: That being said, Grayson Allen actually had some success driving to the hoop. I don't think that's something he really gets credit for. I think people see him as just a three-point shooter. He on can Caruso. drive to the basket. He on can Caruso. drive He multiple times. He did it twice in the fourth quarter, too, so... Yep. um. Layup lines, I, I, bro. I really believe that when Chris Middleton is back, I really believe this Bucks team could go ten deep in the playoffs. Oh, most playoff most playoff teams you want to have like a, a, a roster of seven or eight for your playoff rotation. I'm really comfortable with the Bucks going ten deep on their roster. That's why that conversation
3: we were having pre-show where they were like, mm-hmm. the Suns are, are super deep. I'm like, yeah, you don't watch a lot of Bucs games. But <laughs> I wasn't yep. even going to get into the it. Bucks, but it was like, Oh, man.
2: I said this when the, we did the, the Bucs primary. We were talking about getting into the season. That I believe the Bucs are the deepest team in the NBA. Now that they're getting healthy, and we went through all of this season where the Bucs have these bad games here and there, and it's like, that's where we miss Brooke Lopez. That's where yeah. we miss Brooke Lopez. Now we have Brooke Lopez back, and it's like, people are realizing like i didn't realize how much of an impact brook lopez made defensively rebounding second chance points we we talked about it during the the warriors game most recently that brook lopez doesn't rebound a ton but he gets people away from rebounds
3: and you That's know what, what else he does? Lopez does he's really good at those slapouts on offensive rebounds he slaps mm. the ball out from the other guys and somebody else picks it up he's really good at that he's really good at boxing out Obviously, he cashes threes. He
2: defends I, the ring. I love seeing Brooke Lopez shooting with a smile on his face because he made like two in a row, and then he kept shooting him. And it's like, Bro, Brooke Lopez is having fun.
3: He took a bullshit three yesterday. <laughs> he took a straight-up bullshit three. He caught the ball. The guy was right there. He looked him in the eyes, asked him what his middle name was, and still shot it. I said, hell <laughs> no. That was some bullshit. And then on the cast – uh, they were like, uh, settle down, big fella. Settle down. I was yeah, like, oh, Mar- I have some Marcus BS. Johnson, is he always reels them in. Yeah, he does. He's like, settle down, big fella. I was like, <laughs> I was some BS, dude. Straight up.
2: <laughs> um, Pat Connaughton talked about working on his form while he was injured. So he worked on his shooting form. So if Pat Connaughton can become an even better shooter than he already was, like...
3: He only led the finals in threes made
2: last year. Ah, uh, exactly. So no and he deal. made some really clutch ones during the Brooklyn series. So... Um, if we're going to continue getting more from guys that we were already good. Good. getting good contributions from, like I'm, I'm really excited for the playoffs to get going. Um, that being man, said, who are your power pair this week? Giannis missed a game, Middleton missed a game, so I'm thinking you probably have Drew in there because Drew's done some crazy stuff. But I'm interested to see who your two are.
3: So you might laugh at me, but I took a different approach this week. So did I. I gave it to Brooke Lopez. Okay. Because his impact on the floor is just instantly seen. Like, Mm -hmm. he doesn't even have to record stats, and you see how much better we are on defense and how much more fluid our offense runs. And then the other guy I gave it to was Pat Conanton because he is. He's that guy, like, you, you're really good, right? And you need that little extra spice. You need that guy that will dive on the floor, that will grab that rebound, that will hit five threes. Pat Connaughton can do all of those things. So I went Brooke Lopez and Pat Connaughton this week just to kind of mix it up from the Giannis and Middleton and Holiday trend. Aiden kind of talked me, talked me out of giving it to Giannis last night. He was like, why don't you give everybody some love? And I was like, it's a good point. It's a good point, buddy.
2: So I did stick with one of the big three. I did stick with Drew because I want to continue to stress how improved he is on offense from last season to this season. Okay, okay. And the other couple of things that I wanted to hit was, A, he's, he's an all-NBA defender doing these things on offense. He looks oh, absolutely. absolutely locked in on both ends of the floor. hmm So 20.67 points, 5.67 assists, 40% on threes, on field goals in the last three games. And I want to, again, highlight the seven assists, zero turnovers against the Bulls last night. Turnovers are one of my big things. So zero turnovers on seven assists. I'd love to see that. And my other one, I went real different with this one. I went with Wesley Matthews for my other one. Ooh, okay, okay. So, Wesley Matthews, he's you know what he's going to give. He's going to give strong defense. He's throwing in some rebounds and some assists. His last four games, he's 9 of 15 on threes. He's
3: been hitting threes, man. In
2: the last week, he's 7 of 12 on threes, averaging a little over nine points a game. Mm. So, I went with Wesley Matthews for my other one in my power pair.
3: Yeah, Aiden, uh, my stepson doesn't sit down and watch all the games with me. Obviously as nine years old, you don't want to sit there for three hours. It's tough. But uh, Wesley Matthews hit a three from the left corner last night. I was like, watch him, he's gonna grab the air and he's gonna shoot it. And they ended up sh- he hit a three and he he did that and he was like, Oh, that's cool, you know. So I appreciate your Wes Matthews showed up, man. That was awesome.
2: <laughs> yeah. All right. So looking at it, tomorrow night <clears> the <throat> Bucks play the Wizards. Uh, it's gonna be the first time the Bucks are seeing the Wizards with Chris Aps Porzingis on the team. So yeah, that's that'll be interesting. Still weird. Still it is weird. weird. Yeah. I like I like Porzingis. Like I, I liked it when he was on the Knicks and him and Giannis would have some back and forth, and it was the Greek freak and the unicorn. Mm-hmm. But um, you know he's he dealt with some injuries and now he's been traded twice. So um, we'll see what happens there. But I would expect the Bucks to win that game. And oh. then Saturday, Saturday and Tuesday should both have circles around them. Um, oh. Memphis is going to be assuming everyone plays. It's going to be a great game to watch. You um, get to see Giannis against John Morant, and That'd the Memphis fun. is just a pretty solid, well-rounded team. Number two in and, the
3: West, man. The freaking Warriors lost to the freaking Magic last night without Curry.
2: Yeah, that's weird. Whoa. And then Tuesday. Tuesday we have to keep an eye on James Harden and Joel Embiid to see if they're even going to play because apparently they're just playing like every other game or some shit. You know why they're doing that.
3: I'm calling it like I see it. They are trying to avoid Brooklyn. They do not want the two seed because they know the Nets are going to win that 7-8 game, right? Right. And they're going to end up as a seven seed. They are scared as hell of Brooklyn. (laughs) I don't care what nobody says. You're not changing my mind. They're scared of Brooklyn because Kyrie in that game, he played defense against Harden. And did you hear the quote of why Harden wanted to leave? Mm Mm-hmm. Because he got called washed. Are you kidding me? How did this guy survive the Call of Duty lobbies as a child? There's no freaking way you got called washed one time and you're man. mad. Come on, man. That I hate
2: everything about James Harden as a human. I do game. too. I think, is, it's, I think it's absolutely hilarious that he he had the presence of mind to say that he felt victimized by the new rule that was made because of the way that he plays. How like How you can be such an he's really good. He's a really good basketball player. Yeah, he is. And it takes a high basketball IQ to be a playmaker in the NBA. But you're not smart enough to figure that they did that because of you and it might as well be the James Harden rule? Like So you just manipulated
3: basketball for five years and now you just want to
2: He's just sitting there with a round peg trying to put it in a square hole, like, why isn't this working? But yet he can drop 10 assists anytime he wants.
3: Anytime he wants, dude. Anytime, man. I mean, he just doesn't want to be that guy. He wants to be the guy that drops 50. And it is what it is, man. Um, They really are trying to avoid the Nets. I don't care what anybody says. And I love that the Bucs are taking the approach like they did last year. Like Everybody's like, oh, they should try to avoid the Heat. The Bucs are like, nah, man, It doesn't that. matter. You're going mean, to play them eventually, yeah, right? Exactly. Because the Heat are good. Same thing with the Nets. I've been telling everybody. We're eventually going to have to play the Nets. Yep. Why not make it in the first round? Yep. Let's just take, take away our biggest threat right away, and then we can just run through the rest of these pretenders. I, do, I am not one bit scared of the Heat. I really am not. I'm a little not bit more scared. of seven-game series. I'm, I was a, I'm a little bit more scared than I was last year. I am. But they right. still don't have enough consistent scoring, in my right. opinion, to hang with a team like the Bucks, that literally in every game dropped 135, 119, and a loss and 126. Without Giannis in a loss. Yeah, without Giannis. They almost dropped 120. Dude, I'm not scared of the Heat. And the Sixers? Come on, man. Harden will take <laughs> care of them. Harden will take care of them.
2: <laughs> they're, they're
3: losing in the second round. Guaranteed. They have,
2: they have no depth in Philadelphia. They, like, they traded their depth and their best defender. And Maxie's Uh, a good player. Arguably the best defender.
3: I'm going to give a shout-out to Maxie. He's a good player. I actually actually like Maxie because he doesn't act like a a complete D-bag and he just goes out there and balls, man. He's a baller. He's a gamer. Like Tyrese Maxie. And about the Celtics, how how the playoffs are matching up right now, I can see the Celtics versus the Bucs in the Eastern Conference Finals. That is a real possibility for me with how the seeding is working out. Because I would be how
2: interested to see a Celtic. I would love to see a Celtics Bulls series. I think that would be interesting. And I would like yep. to see a Celtics 76 ers series. I think that would be a seven game series. Ooh. That would be interesting. Celtics Heat. Who you got in that? That'd be interesting. Celtics Heat.
1: Oh, the
3: Cel- The Celtics are just so on fire right now. They're playing as such a good team, and they
2: can score. They can't play the. That's D. that might be the thing that gives me an edge. I think that would also be a seven game series. But I yep. think I'd give the Celtics the edge because I trust them more offensively. The thing is, I'm going to be honest. I think I will take
3: the Heat. I'm going to take the Heat against the Celtics. I do think it would go seven games. It would be very yep. interesting. It would be a very, very good series. But I th- I'm going to give the, the edge to the Heat. I think the Heat would win that series. It would be the very heat, good though.
2: The Heat still need to be healthy. That's the thing. That's the yeah. thing that makes me a little less concerned about the Heat. Is Kyle Lowry's not 100% healthy. Victor Oladipo's not 100% healthy. It doesn't seem like Bam Adebayo's 100% healthy. Uh, P.J. Tucker has gone back to being the um, <laughs> the vanishing from three, three-point shooter. I think he's made like one three in his last like five games. Um, yeah, after being like 50% for most of the season.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So, you know, the Heat, the Heat are a good team and they're well-coached and the Celtics are a good team and they're well-coached. But as far as being well-coached and having all the players on the floor and the depth, of the rosters, I'm still going to stick with the Bucks.
3: Yeah, the Bucs are the best team in the East. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Sorry. We got the best player on the planet. His name is Giannis. And after, you know, that quote that is on Wisco Fanatics, after I heard the quote that he basically had a torn ligaments in his leg... And he's dropping 50 in the finals. That just makes that dunk on Chris Paul that much more impressive.
2: It really does. They made him a special brace that was supposed to protect his leg. Yeah. They made him a special one. They custom made him a brace that would go on his knee. You know what he said? Word for word, he said, hell no. Dude. That he wasn't wearing the brace. He, He laid it out there. I love Giannis, dude.
3: I love this man. I, I have, I'm subscribed the...
2: to The Athletic, so I can send you the whole thing. But yes. Giannis is, I mean, we've, we've talked about it, and we've mentioned it a bunch of times, that we are watching greatness as it's happening. Appreciate uh, it.
3: Let's appreciate it. Let's not let it go to waste, and let's not get sour. Let's not get sour. We could have zero championships. We could just keep losing in the playoffs. Look at the Packers, right? But – Let's just appreciate it, man. He brought a championship to Milwaukee in NBA culture, in NBA culture, dude. Yeah, makes the block on eight, and seriously, seriously, Brad, yeah. like off he bounced, he jumped off of that leg, basically, and it's like, Giannis is just everything, man. He's everything to Milwaukee, and if I was a betting man, oh, don't let the Suns be in the finals again because we will run through those little dudes again. They they still don't have somebody to stop. Giannis, I'm sorry. At the end of the day, if you don't have somebody to stop him, sure, you can throw different bodies at him and shit like right. that, but he's going to shoot his free throws, which he's better at this year. He's not going to take the pounding you took last year because he's got a little jump shot now. I'm sorry. Bucks
2: and six, baby. <laughs> that's that's what I would say, too. I would say Bucks and six. Bucks um, and six. I mean, that's all I got. I don't know if you have anything else. No, nah, man. Yo, I'm jacked up. I'm ready for playoffs, dude.
3: But that Kyrie news, Brad. Thank you for telling me before I could find out, so I could react on live camera. That's how I feel. <laughs> I do. I never run away from shit, man. And I know Giannis doesn't. So that's, that's that. Belief... And you and
2: you you hit the nail on the head with that. That if you know the the vaccine mandate is lifted and Kyrie's playing, and say the Bucks play the Nets in the first round, Giannis yep. would absolutely hundred percent head first charge into that matchup.
3: And he is our leader, and everybody else will follow. Let's do yep. this shit. Absolutely. Let's go. Let's do All it. All right.
2: Well, we will be back next Wednesday. I think we'll probably take probably take another two weeks yet before we do draft sh- draft prep on the show. Um, yeah, well, we're going to want to get as much information so, as possible. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we'll see what else the Packers do. Um, we're getting close to baseball season. Got the Brewers primer done. Had Tim yep. Dillard join us today, which is always fun because that guy is hilarious. Yes, sir. So next week it's going to be mostly just Bucks.
3: Yeah. But uh, we're going to get in-depth. We'll get a little bit more in-depth in, the, in these breakdowns. And uh, we'll get ready for playoffs. There's only like nine games left now, right? Yep. And Giannis,
2: Giannis needs 100 and, 109, 110? 100, I think it's 109. So 109. 109, 109 points past yeah. pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So. Which, um, speaking of the Nets, he's on track to do
3: against them. We'll see what happens with that. Soon to be a pie show. Soon to be a pie
2: show. We will see what happens with that. I'll, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to pull it up. I'm just going to do it.
3: Yeah, pull it up, man. I there mean, are
2: three brackets that aren't in the um, in the bracket Yeah, challenge. I think they deleted
3: them, though. I think they deleted them. So. No, I
2: mean, like, I have one from Courtney. I have one from my dad. Oh. And I think there's one other one that, was, that were paper ones that were sent in. Okay, okay, okay. So, we'll, we'll pull up the CBS one.
3: All I know is William White... <laughs> But you might be coming on. We're gonna be, we're
2: gonna meet you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. All right, let's see. Oh, I'm in sixth place. That's middle of the pack. Uh, I'll take it. Well, right oh, now, Alex, um... is, Alex is in last right now. He's got the least amount correct. So let's I know, see but look, look at there. his
3: max points. Ugh. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, we'll have to. We'll probably have to go by number correct because, um, looking at the ones that are off the thing, I don't know how CBS calculates their points, but. Um,
3: I think it was like one point for first round, and then it like went to like three points. I uh, I think that's how it went. But like the last, the championship was like thirty two points. They went up to thirty two, and I think they cut in half, so it was like thirty two, sixteen, eight, four, and one point. That's how I think they went.
2: All right. Well, I'm right in the middle of the pack. Both of your and mine champions are out, so we got that.
3: So <clears throat> neither of us are taking a pie, in my
2: opinion. So. We both win. <laughs> as long as you're not last, you win. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you ain't last, you're first when it comes to a pie bet. Hell yeah, um, baby. Brad, <laughs> Hey, Brad, right now, Brad is in line to win the Parker Johns gift cards. So I know, Brad's on
3: fire. Card card, so. I, I told you to get in, man. I told you All to right. get in. Well, if you got nothing else, I will see you next week. No, I'm good, man. All right. Bucks and six, baby. Let's go. All right.